on today's show. We are getting to know Danelle. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The link's in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and doggone it. Who is immediately a top five most prepared guest, from what I found out. Thank you, Danelle, for coming on the pod and um, letting everybody get to know you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Sean. This is a brand new situation for me, so I'm not entirely sure what to expect, but I'm excited to be here. I kind of get into and I, to me it's a little more enjoyable if people I shouldn't say that I don't know if that's insulting but it is <laughs> insulting and genuine of me to be like it's nice when it's people just people and it's not like a brand that they're trying to get across because I've run into that a lot where people are like oh podcast just get on a podcast I have a particular item I want to get this out there I want to get this out there I want to get this out there and they're just working you know they're hustling it's nothing wrong but you don't so much get to know them as much as what they're trying to present or what they're trying to peddle. And um, so I always appreciate people who are like, oh, dude, I listen to podcasts. And I was like, fuck it. Let me give it a try. And um, I appreciate people being like vulnerable like that and being willing to come on, man. So thank you for that. Genuinely. It's a, uh, I don't know. It's more authentic, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, I appreciate authenticity. I uh, was looking at some of your uh, pods there and I noticed there's um, number of people who have you know what i would consider significant accomplishments 
and of course I'm feeling like I'm the you know the odd man out so I mean if you want to just get to know personality uh, I'm here to represent weirdos I suppose (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) <laughs> Dude, I and so I'm a little flattered. Like you're um you're saying people coming on the pod with accomplishments. I'm like, I guess I don't look at it that way. You know, like I just look at I guess I mean I have had a lot of really cool people on. What accomplishments? I should ask it that way. What um what's got you intimidated? Who's bullying you? What former guest <laughs> is bullying you with their reputation and hard work and accomplishments? <laughs> It's the man. It's all the man, man. Uh, I know there's either somebody who wrote a book. There's a couple of people running for political office. Um, you know, some business owners and, you know, I'm just sitting over here posting memes and trying not to have breakdowns constantly. So you you are the 99%. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) everybody. Um, yeah, dude, my favorite, and if you haven't um, scrolled to it, I had uh, a doctor, doctor, oh fuck, it's been almost a year and a half now, I believe his name's Jeffrey, I can't remember his last name, but I was watching the Sasquatch documentary on Hulu, and he's a professor of like biological evolution, and he had like a three minute clip on the Sasquatch Hulu documentary, and I was like, I wonder if he'd fucking come on, and he did. And I spoke to him before a banquet and he gave me like two and a half hours and broke down why he believes Sasquatch is real and all this scientific data. And it was like, it's the most downloaded pod I have. And it was just so fucking cool. And the whole time I was so nervous. I had imposter syndrome, like a motherfucker. And I'm like, I, is he going to think I'm just a dumbass? I'm in my like second guest bedroom recording on a, I don't even have a microphone, you know? And like, is he going to be okay with me? And he was so fucking pleasant. Like the dude was just like, I like talking about it, man. I'll, you know, you seemed like you were into it. You were genuine with what you were wanting. And, um, it was one of the more fun things. And I think that's part of what I like about being the guy that has the podcast hobby is it's kind of an excuse to get access to people you might not normally get access to. And it, for, I don't know why, but that feels good <laughs> to be like, hey, I can talk to you for a couple hours or an hour. And um, normally I wouldn't. Normally I would email you and it would never say red. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. That's got to be really fun. Um, interesting uh, tidbit. He was actually one of the ones that I took a look at last night because I'm actually taking anthropology in college right now. Oh no shit. And so as soon as I saw that I was like, okay, so this is a, you know, PhD teaching. Um that's impressive. I, you know, gave it a little bit of a lesson. Of course he does sound extremely put together and professional. And I was like, okay, hope he never listens to me because <laughs> I've taken eight classes, so I'm not going to be able to explain anything close to, close to what he has. So yeah, I looked at that one. Oh, well, dude, that's hilarious. Anthropology. So what's the deal with that? Are you going to be a Sasquatch hunter? Oh, I don't really think Sasquatch is, um, the best focal point for, um, an anthropologist. Um, did he talk about them being on the evolutionary chain at all? 
he actually, I feel like an hour and a half in, he took the evolutionary chain and somehow explained it to me about that's the wrong way to look at it because it's more linear as in like you picture that t-shirt with the monkey and the hunchback and then it's all connected versus the tree branch and then branches have branches and then buds from those branches of branches. So you don't want to look at it as just one animal that's evolved. You want to look at it. I don't know if he, if mutations is the right word, but it's somewhere. Then you take a right, then you live for a little bit, then you take a left and then you breed for a little bit and you go back to the right and then you take three lefts. And then for some generations, you had a bunch of sunshine and that evolved that like does something to your ability to either get further, get food or get a mate. So you meet someone and breed where you normally would not have met them to breed, which adds genetic differentiation. I'm trying to sound smart <laughs> for the offspring. And then boom, you get something else. Um, if I'm remembering that right. Cause I, I was trying to be like, oh yeah, so chains on the link, right? Like where does he fall between monkeys and people? Right. And he was like, right. no, Sean, we gotta correct you. You want to look at it like a tree. And I was like, oh. Yeah, no, the linear uh, concept is definitely not uh, anthropologically sound. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of branching. Um, one of the first things I understood was when people say we descended from monkeys or apes or whatnot, right? That's, that's not accurate. Um, so yeah, it, it just kind of was like, no, people, they were technically on, you know, cousins on this evolutionary tree, not like we wouldn't have actually come from them. We would have a common ancestor. Yeah. Right. To them. Yeah. And why yeah. are you, what are you doing with your college degree aside from accumulating debt? <laughs> Isn't that the goal? <laughs> that's, that's kind of the goal. You want to, you want to take about six years to get a two year degree you want to make sure your purchasing power is shit afterwards. You want to make sure you yeah. make some really bad choices and tattoos and then hopefully get a job that's a tenth of your monthly payment for the next 40 years of your life. At least that's the American dream. I don't know if that's what it's like up north. Um, we have uh, partially subsidized. Like we, we have to pay for post-secondary, but from what I understand, we still have a... Um, some level of subsidy from our government. So I think it's cheaper, but you know, full student loans in a say five years of schooling will run you about 800 a month in repayment. So wow. yeah, you're not far off, right? Especially in anthropology, your, your starting salary is so much. And then your student loan will probably be 20% of that or more. So it's pretty daunting, right? But I kind of had to do it. I had to, I had to get it done. Um, I've been passionate about it since, well, I was looking back since I was about eight. Um, so if I can get into a little bit of a story with that. Wait, wait, wait um, no. I mean, why do you have to be so selfish? Can I shine for a little bit first? No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been so polite. I just had to. I'm sorry. I so rarely do that, but yeah, absolutely get into it. That's the whole point. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? I was like, no, no, no. It's, I know it's the getting to know you podcast, Danelle, but 
can I have a little bit of me time at the beginning? <laughs> when I was an anthropologist. <laughs> Let me tell you about my dreams at eight. <laughs> World domination. Nothing but playgrounds and trampolines everywhere. Oh, ninja warrior playgrounds everywhere. Yeah, why was that not a yeah. fucking thing for me, man? If I'd have grown up on that, God, I'd have loved right? breaking some bones. <laughs> like I really would have. Like if that shit would have been around, like playgrounds, like twenty foot slides now are getting like taken away as too dangerous. And then you have this weird paradigm right. and it's mixed with like ninja warrior that kids watch. But it's like, hey, we can't have the whirly thing where you spin around and jump off because you might twist an ankle. It's like too dangerous. <laughs> You're like, what what are we doing? God, what are we doing? <laughs> the merry go round. That was like the ultimate test of your your youthful manhood or whatnot, right? Right. How much you could tolerate, how fast you could push it. No doubt. Like, how many people yeah. you could run while you ran on the side? How many people would fall off while you were running? Yeah. You know, that. Yeah. that's so true. That was like a really big status thing. And I feel like the dude that always made me fall off was a descendant of Sasquatch. Oh. Like he had quads. Dude, it was the quads, man. Like he, he had the little drip and we were like, God, you stud. And it was all natural from bullying kids. He would just chase them all the time. Right. Right. No, I'm just aggressive. Kidding. I'm making up characters <laughs> in my head. I'm an English I'm an English teacher, so like I think of stupid stories all day and I talk about all sorts of different books that kids read from free choice. So I'm constantly just getting little summaries and ideas about characters and plot and choices. So I start to like emerge them at some point. Gotcha. Good, good. Um, so if you don't mind, can we get back to you since I distracted <laughs> you? Well I mean you, you're far more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Um, I. It, it's funny. You were like you were into anthropology at eight. Is that a legit thing or just being a little um, hyperbolic? Yeah. Good. Good. Good call back there. Um. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a uh, church, and we would have missionaries come. So I'm recalling about eight years old, we had actually a missionary from Africa come and they were talking about the food and the language and, you know, they had some cultural artifacts with them. And I just remember my brain just expanding with excitement over that, um, thought that I would be a missionary, but I never did that, that, you know, wasn't on the table there, but, um, actually a really big influencing factor probably just matched up with my personality but um when i was young my parents started watching something called star trek the next generation okay and um a few years ago i rewatched it and i realized that that was a huge catalyst for my love of anthropology um i'm not sure how familiar you would be with that particular um is that Professor, professor, professor Xavier Charles? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, not the, not the new young one, like the original one, right? What's his name? Patrick? Yeah. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Sir Patrick Stewart. Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, he is a sir. Um, yeah, he played Jean-Luc Picard, the captain, and he was actually uh, an anthropologist. Oh, no shit. And... Uh, 
the whole concept of, of Star Trek in general is about relations between cultures and ethics and things like this. And uh, that really uh, sunk into me. And uh, yeah, that played a huge role and uh, just came full circle uh, when I had the chance to go back to school at the, um, at my age. <laughs> um. Um, so it, a, a little bit there, I, I like, I'm interested in not so much the age thing to age shame you. Um, though I think it's, it, it's interesting to me when people feel like, oh my God, I'm back in school at my age. And I'm always curious to be like, why they feel that's a bad thing that you're trying to better your life, continuing to challenge yourself, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, I want to further my career. And like, for some reason, people feel awkward about all the benefits that school brings. So I'm curious why that's like a little bit mm. of a giggle to you at my age. Yeah, I guess I feel like it's not uh, the norm. You know, you hear people not doing what they do, want to do and then coming back at like, you know, 28, 30, 35, 40, I'm, north of that so it really feels like wow okay by the time i get a degree and i'm hoping to get a master's and a phd is not off the table i'm going to be like 60 years old and then i have five years to do my dream job so it does feel a little ridiculous but i do realize that there's more to it than just end game right the whole process is extremely valuable yeah well because if you enjoy it what's wrong with it right like would you do you feel awkward if you go take and i don't know if you're into but like if you're into yoga or if you took like a cycle class or a pottery class or like would you be like oh my god i'm awkward at this maybe a gymnastics class if you were with like a bunch of 10 year olds <laughs> or like <laughs> if you went to karate classes and you were like getting the white belt like in seinfeld <laughs> i guess like maybe that would be awkward like kramer did um but I, I feel like for the most part, people accept like, hey, man, just because it's your age, like, go do stuff. You know, so it is oh, weird yeah. that a lot of people start to feel awkward in a college setting because I guess you are a bit of an outlier, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think you should feel that way. I think it's awesome because you're spot on. Like, it's the process. If you enjoy learning and you've always had this, so you didn't have the opportunity earlier, well, then why shouldn't you take the advantage of it when you have it now? Right, and that's a completely uh, rewarding aspect that I do look at. And then I consider, well, a lot of people, you know, didn't do things early on. And they, even in those, say, 10 years, their twilight years, they still, you know, painted a masterpiece or wrote their, you know, their crowning book, you know, things like that. So I keep that in perspective. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like when you're, you know, 18, 20, you, uh, well, first your brain is way more squishy. I've, you know, struggled with some of the content because my brain just will not absorb it. Um, but you know, I feel like some of those ages, you just have less on your mind where you can focus on school, right? Like somebody's doing your laundry, making your meals, you know, you don't have to worry about a lot of the stuff that, you know, full-fledged 
adult slash parent slash whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's just a lot. No. Yeah, man. I mean, like that's so as a school teacher, the number one thing that we're noticing, especially with kids coming back to COVID is like it, it, we sound like fucking yogis. We're like, can you just be in the moment? Like, I understand like kids come in with all this trauma, drama and all these extras and distractions. And you're like, so right now we care about this story and this problem. And we're having this thought. We don't need to worry about what's going to happen next period. We don't need to worry about what could happen in a week or what did happen last night. Can you just get to the moment where you can read this page and come up with a thought that you have, come up with a theory, come up with an argument, like whatever the skill is, right? And they're 12, they're 13. Like they don't really have, I mean, they have some issues, but they don't have like the like scheduled monotony of life of like, fuck man, let me make sure I pay the bills when this check comes in, right? Like, oh, Sunday, let me get the laundry done. Let me make sure I go food shopping to prepare for the week. Let me make sure I've got doctor's appointments scheduled out. Let me make sure. And it's like, let me make sure, let me make sure, let me make sure, let me make sure. And you're never like, ha, I can just relax and think about bones and how you can tell about the bones and the ramifications of if a bone is in a rock, right? Like, It'd be nice if that's all you cared about. That would be nice. It would be nice to just take a day and not think about any responsibilities. Yeah, I like I take beach days once in a while where everything just shuts off and I go to the beach and yeah, eat junk food and read and float around in the water. It's still hard though, I actually have a significant degree of anxiety. So it's really, really, really hard um, to shut that off. I think um, the generation that you're talking of, so I've, I've gone through, brought up three teenage daughters actually, and the level of anxiety in kids now is pretty shocking. Um, I think that lack of focus is probably connected to the high levels of anxiety because I experienced that myself, you know, the inability to get, like you said, be in the moment and, um, sort of put everything else to the side. So do you, I have a question for you. I'm sorry. Do we think, don't, I don't take questions until the 35 no. minute mark. If you could follow the rules. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, it's the last stupid time I try to make you feel so like I'm intentionally trying to make you feel awkward with the hopes of you not feeling awkward. <laughs> I don't know. It's like this weird reverse psychology thing that I hope will work. That's probably not. <laughs> Has it worked? Has it worked? Fine. And, uh, I want to say yes. All right. Now, God. Yeah. What's your question? What's up? Let's take a poll. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, do you? Because you've been teaching for a while, I imagine. Do you think that COVID has played a major role in where the kids are at that you see? Or do you think it's just a, a greater curve in society with um, technology? Right. So, and I'm in Southern Delaware and it's uh, only experience is within one school of 700 kids, right, on a peninsula. So you have to put that in context, right? And then there's a whole bunch of factors that go along with it, like what was their previous year like two years ago. The biggest, the biggest thing I've noticed that kids have trouble with is being part of a whole. 
And what I mean by that is they're so used to everything being on demand and getting things done at their time. You went away from, hey, it's 8.30, you're in this seat, and we do this at 8.30, and then at nine o'clock we transition to this, and at 9.10 we transition to this. And when an adult is talking, you do nothing but sit down, shut the fuck up, and hopefully think, right? Like, put a pencil in your hand, take some words that you see out of my mouth. If it's up on the board and you see the paper on the board that you have in front of you, you might wanna do some stuff with it. That's some real basic school stuff. And like, you're like, N -n no, dude, you don't get to like be doing your math work now. Or wh why are you playing games on your phone when we're going over the climax of this story? And to keep 30 kids involved into one singular attention point and to actually take them through a train of thought, it's like a workout, like you're pacing them. Like, okay, these kids can stay with me for two minutes. So today, let me make sure... I've just talked to them for two minutes and then they got to get a break and they got to try to do something. Then I'll try to bring them back. And you're slowly trying to build back like their attention stamina. And at the beginning of the year, we're like, you know, you realize you can't lean over to your friend and just start talking to them. Like I'm here. I'm not on a zoom screen anymore. Like I can right. see you. I can hear you. You're not on mute. You can't just speak whenever you want, you know? And it was just like this assimilation back to, can we put the needs of the group first before your individual needs? And like, that's where I've gotten to. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like 80 y'all coming up with individual needs. Can we get the group settled? This is our focus. This is the time frame we are going to focus for. This is our task that we are trying to accomplish in said time frame. Here's what you need. We're settled and relaxed. Now let's go one at a time with individual needs quietly in a way to not disrupt others. Go. <laughs> And you know, I'm talking about 14 year olds and 13 year olds. You're like, no, we didn't have to used to do this. Like you used to be like, it's okay. Yeah. So to me, I don't know, like that's kind of a long winded way to get about it, but I don't know if it's so much the academic aspect that to me is lost, but the functionality and efficiency of teaching in person got lost because you're working on on demand behaviors that have been reinforced. Here's an assignment. It's due at a certain time get it done whenever you want. So you wake up at 12, you're eating breakfast, you click some answers and you're good. Right. Yeah. What yeah, was it? It's a socialization in a certain context, right? Two years is a long time for these kids. Yeah. It's a long developmental time. And you can forget, man. Like, I don't know if it, like what you're like, if you're on vacation, but these kids were on an 18 month vacation from seven to eight hour work days right? Like yeah. kids go to work when they go to school. It's an eight hour shift, five days a week. And yeah. like, if you take a couple of weeks off from your job and then you got to go back on a Monday, like you're dragging, you're not efficient. You're not enjoying your job, right? It's pretty rare. So like, I think that's part of it. The kids were off for 18 months in Delaware where they didn't come to school for eight hours a day, five days a week. And this is the year they did it. And we didn't have sports. So then if a kid played a sport, they're at school for 10 hours a day. Imagine a 50 hour week with homework at the age of 13. Yeah, yeah. When sure. you didn't do it for the ages of 11 and 10 or 11 and 12. Like it, it was a lot for them to just have the stamina to stay attentive, to not be rude and to like put the needs of the group ahead of theirs. And it sounds so like socialistic, but like you need that a little bit. You need a little bit of like, 
hey man, let, let's be socialist and care about the group instead of ourselves right now. Let's not disrupt what the group is about. Be a part of the group, add to the group, add good energy to the group. Like right. all these little mantras we keep having to us say. Uh, you probably do it in a very calm way. Nah, man, I don't know. Dude, I'm hype. I'm a coach as well. So I'm like blunt. I'm like, I'm confused what you don't understand about be quiet. Like, do do I need to say shut up? Is that what you would prefer to respond to? Because I've asked you to be quiet twice. I'm befuddled. Help me understand what's confusing about quiet. Nothing. Befuddled is a very nice word. I like that word. Yeah, I know. It's my word of the day. I just throw little shits out there like that. Kids are like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're off task. Use the context clues. <laughs> Look it up on your own time, punk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then whatever, you giggle about it. But like, yeah, man, it's, um, I don't know if it's calmness that I approach. I think from what kids have told me is they're like, dude, you're intense. And I'm like, yeah, yeah man, because I fucking care that you learn. And I'm not cursing yeah. at them. But like, that's the energy. It's like, dude, this is important. I, I'm prepared and I'm ready to help you discover some stuff. And I'm pretty skilled in like where you might have a pitfall. And like, I've designed lessons for you to practice, for you to collaborate, for you to individually think. And like, you shouldn't screw that up. And I take it seriously. So if you're not taking it seriously, I'm coming at you with like, what's the issue? And you just leave it at that. What, what's the issue? Nothing. Cool, then work. And then you just stare at them. And we're like, okay, I'll work. And it's like, all right, well, work. You weren't working, so I have to watch you till you start working. Then I'm going to walk away, but I'm only going to take two steps. And if you stop working, I'm going to take one step back. That's called proximity. And if you screw up the proximity, I'm going to squat down next to you, and I'm going to sit with you and act like I'm your best friend. And you're going to smell my coffee breath as I speak to you about what you should do. Do you need to be micromanaged? They're like, please just leave me alone. I'll do my work. Cool. That's what I wanted. Should have done it the first time. All right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm that kind of dude with kids. Cause you're like, I, why are we making this complicated? Can we just, can we get into learning? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. The focus is, I mean, I guess I can, um, hypothesize that it is social media and all that, which sounds kind of like a, a concession i guess but honestly the, the fact that there's there's a lack of focus and and kids are kind of kind of selfish i mean selfish in general kids always are but just that instant reward to themselves i think um like that could be a social media situation i've also noticed there and i've noticed it in both sports and in the classroom, it's rarer and rarer to be comfortable thinking aloud or taking a risk. Because for every time, if I have a thought, I have a theory. And then, so a kid has a theory and now the teacher, that theory is out in the air. It's almost like a comment or a picture. And kids are so hypersensitive to the troll and what happens is the one kid who's brave enough to have a thought, even if it's bad, you hear four to eight murmurs. Mm. 
yeah. And kids already feel like ev- like the world revolves around them and everybody notices every little thing they do. That's mostly what teens are feeling at every moment in their life. So like then they actually step out into the spotlight where everyone is looking at them and they responded not with like, you know, that's a great point, Brianna. Let me add to that. It's who the fuck would think that? <laughs> you know, like kids with mama will be like, that's not even what we're talking about. Or they'd say, you know, like, yeah, I bet he wouldn't date you. And you're like, what? Talking about Percy yeah. Jackson. Like, what the, how does this even connect? But kids are quicker to, I've noticed kids are maybe a little quicker to troll. And I don't know if this is anthropological. That might be the biggest syllabolic word I've used today. But it makes me wonder if there's like some sort of social pecking order that they're fighting for. Because if you miss two years of school, you almost, you come back and you don't know where you stand. Who's the class clown? Who's the smart person? Who's the cool guy? Who's the dismissive person? And it's like they're trying to find their pecking order where naturally that happens in a society because you have 188 days of the previous year to do it, 180. But like they miss that and they miss the 60 of the year before and they missed basically going through puberty together. So like there's all this extra that they're coming back and experiencing. It's like a flash flood, like the dam broke. And I think that can't be overstated is like they don't a lot of these kids don't know where they stand who's the rebel and like am i willing to be as rebellious as that guy so like i can be the rebel of the class ah nope can't do that and they didn't get a chance to figure that kind of stuff out yeah and i think they're doing it in a different circle outside of the classroom all this time they're looking at influencers and they're looking at their social media circle and they're figuring out who they are or trying to achieve who they want to be in that. Um, Here, kids would hang out anyways. You know, the government would be like, restriction, restriction, and kids are like, forget that, right? We're we're going out, we're partying, whatever. So they have these certain groups, but like, yeah, in the classroom setting where you, or school setting where you generally have these very distinct groups, no matter what generation, there's certain classes. I don't know why, but, taking like their own identity they've developed almost in isolation and then coming back into that all those self-created identities are now like you said in this situation where it generally would flow in a different way yeah and you're getting evaluated and like you had said you're like hey i'm more of a writer than a speaker right so if you never had to show up in person and everything you did was judged by you writing essays you're going to be top of the class. Now all of a sudden you got to come to school and you got to give speeches in front of 20 people. Well, maybe you'll (laughs) fail, right? So when you would post stuff, all of a sudden kids are like, wow, she's really smart. And kids know who's the fastest, who's the strongest, who's the smartest. Like kids just figure that stuff out. And then they come to class, but like, dude, in seventh grade, Danelle was crushing it. All of her posts were awesome. Now she can't even get up there and talk. Did she just Google everything? Did she just copy? And kids are going (laughs) through that, right? Because... How have kids been communicating? Social media, through playing games online, through just hanging out. And you're a different person. It's a different environment. You come to school and you find you have different strengths and different weaknesses. And it's intimidating for kids. They're like, fuck, I thought I was cool, man. I thought this person was my friend. I see him in person. Online, we talked for a year and a half. And now they don't even want to hang out with me. And that's crushing to some kids, you know? For sure. 
So yeah, yeah it, it really is a new environment where they're having to figure out where they stand in this little society and culture. And you don't, and again, like, dude, I'm a teacher and I'm, I'm a fairly educated teacher. I'm not a fucking psychologist. Like I got 30 kids that I'm trying to get to read a book. I, I don't have time for your, all your personality and emotional needs, man. Right? Like I wish I did. We got 60 minutes. There's 30 of y'all. Like, I'm sorry. I can't listen to 20 minutes each of where you're at on this emotional spectrum right now. Right. Pick up yeah. a pencil. I don't, I don't know. Message me. We got two school counselors for 700 kids. Hopefully they have an opening. <laughs> Let's find out. You know, like it's, it's emotionally, it's overwhelming in the schools for where kids can be. And it sucks because yeah. you care. They're kids. Who doesn't want kids to feel good? Who doesn't want kids to grow up and like be happy, you know? But man, it, it gets fucking draining because you're like, yeah, no, I could never be a teacher. I knew that pretty early on. Plus like, I'm not a huge fan of children anyhow so said the lady with three <laughs> i know i like my own i like my own very very much but yeah i realized pretty early on um so you know in church like there's a whole volunteer expectation right and they yeah. have kids ministry and it took me all of like one time volunteering with kids and i was like you can count me out of that i do not like y'all's kids <laughs> Mount, <laughs> oh, put me behind the desk, or I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, I have a huge respect for teachers and and nurses for sure. I know I couldn't do that either. Dude, nurses are next level. I think I mean to take care of sick people who are suffering, especially those nurses where, like, I don't, I don't even know how to say this in a decent way. Like, if you're conscientious, it would eat you up because you can't. There are certain things that you just cannot help with, right? Or you cannot get someone through. And it's like you have to have an acceptable loss. And who the fuck is like, cool, okay, I know you're alone. I know you're in pain, but I've got to go because I've got whatever rounds to make. And like it eats at people, you know? So yeah. if you're that conscientious person, especially when people are at their neediest, man, that, that it's tough. That That's a tough job. Not to mention the fluids you deal with. <laughs> I think dog spit is my worst, so maybe the spit. Like in terms of disgusting, I think I've had a couple dogs, and when they like spit, I just I can't. I gotta walk away. I'm dry heaving. <laughs> I can't handle that bodily fluid. Are you so? Are you a nurse? Are you a vet? Or are you just interact with dogs often? No, I just I've had a couple of dogs. <laughs> And, you know, like just, you know, they, they go in the corner and they yak out of nowhere and it's just spit and I'm getting really gross, but I can't, I can't handle that version of bodily fluid. Gotcha. Right. No, I definitely couldn't be a nurse. Yeah. It's, it, it's a calling to be able to, um, deal with it. I actually had, it was kind of funny. This, uh, lady who is a, um, college basketball player had just come on the pod and, I was like, oh, so she played professional for a little bit. Now she's into basketball training. But I'm like, well, you're in college. Like, what are you studying? She was like, I was thinking about getting into mortuary science. And I was like, you went into mortuary science? And she was like, yep. One class, third day, they cut this lady open. She had a baby in her. And I said, out. 
And she just <laughs> laughed. And I was like, how do you, like, I guess you just want to get rid of the ones without the stomachs early, right? Like you don't want to do a year and a half and then finally get to that point and be like, it's not for me. You might as well find out early. Nah, man, I can't deal. Right. You know, but yeah, so the bodily fluid thing, I'm like, yeah, that would be the next level for nurses. It's just the, the graphic nature of what can be seen. Yeah. Is something most people ain't used to. No, I definitely, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I've had my children break limbs and, and, you know, legs are dangling and I, I tend to laugh in those situations. So, but it's, you know, you're going to go into shock for your children. Actually, it's funny. Um, I was told to stop donating blood because of my reaction to needles, because I do like, you know, get into shock and pale and all this stuff. And they're like, just don't come back. Don't come back, honey. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, live. we'll survive without you. But uh, I took my 16 year old in to get a nose piercing a uh, number of years back. And uh, I was the one who had to sit down and have the juice box. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing went in her nose and I just went pale and they laughed at me. Can you, is it something you've pinpointed that makes you feel that way? I just feel like it's wrong to have things pierce the body. I don't, I don't know what that is. I, you know, I had three kids. I've been to the doctor and got a million needles and I was okay, but this kind of developed after that sort of era um i don't know when i think about it it's just sort of the wrongness of the skin being being you know that barrier being breached so you were like a beetle in a previous life where you were just heavy on exoskeleton <laughs> like this is it's not natural <laughs> it's not natural keep everything out that I, that's, I'm trying to think if I have something that would freak me out. I've never seen, when you were talking about your kid's legs dangling, like I've never <laughs> seen a broken bone. And I was wondering, like, was that a legit thing? Like your kid broke a leg and actually had it dangling off of him? Yeah, she, uh, we were holding her or I was holding her, I think, think. Maybe not me. But Do you mean holding held. or dropping? Did you mean to say I dropped her and picked her back up? Is that... Because no. her no. leg was dangling. That's not how it happened. Although I cannot exactly remember how it happened, so she was <laughs> she'd be very insulted. I don't remember, but I do remember her being cradled because she was ten. So um, she was cradled by myself or um, my former spouse at the time, walking into the little hospital, and so her legs were draped over the one arm. And she broke somewhere near her ankle and literally mm. her leg was going out like it normally does. And the foot was like, toes were down and the oh, gosh. <laughs> dangling downwards. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, I mean, that's just heebie-jeebie material right there. But yeah. then I'm laughing. I can't handle it. So Yeah, but, but like that's, I, I, why, yeah, why do humans, have you discovered that laughing bone? In anybody, have you read any of these theories? Like, why is it when we feel awkward and sympathetic when we're supposed to, 
our reaction is to giggle when typically that's a humorous thing. And you're like, it's not fucking funny that you're suffering and that your feet <laughs> are dangling down. And it's not funny that this is going to be like, well, maybe not in Canada, but like a huge bill. Like there's so much not, it's not funny that our day is ruined and the next couple of weeks and our plans are all jacked up. Like nothing is funny. And yet we giggle about it for some reason. Right? Like, I, what is that? I have no idea. Honestly, I, I'm not a fan of psychology and I, I haven't really, I took one class and I haven't really come across why that would be. I just, it's coping for me personally. So I don't know. It's maybe like when you have trauma, when you're younger, your brain just compensates somehow. And it's maybe it has something to do with that just a coping mechanism, but not everybody does that, right? I think they do. I just don't think they, <laughs> I don't know if they laugh out loud. Oh, I wonder if it's like, you have to get the energy or the vibe out. And if it makes you uncomfortable, what makes you comfortable? Giggles, tickles. So why not take it to something that's a very comfortable and welcoming feeling to like balance out the negative? So it's almost like a, um, looking for homeostasis type thing that your body does. Natural homeostasis. I feel anxious, let me giggle. Giggle is nice, anxious is bad. Mm. That's my theory, I claim it. I would have to say that that might be an internal factor situation, but personally I've experienced negative repercussions for, for laughing at inappropriate moments so I think my brain would kind of catch on. <laughs> it's you know, people don't like when you're laughing at this horrible situation or making like ridiculous jokes while you're, you know, birthing a child. It's, it's, so you think the feedback loop might kick in and you wouldn't keep doing it for some reason. You just keep doing it. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I do. I think the clinical term is sociopath that you're looking there for. There you go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're just completely disassociated with social norms. Wait, so are you giving birth and cracking jokes? Did I pick that up? Oh, totally was. Seriously? Totally was. Yeah. Significant coping mechanism. <laughs> Because of the pain or were you feeling like awkward with everybody just like peering at you in that vulnerable moment? Oh my gosh, my first child, I think there was about eight, there had to be more, there was probably about eight um, like professionals and students in the room. <laughs> students. And I'm, I'm sorry, mama, but I am spread wide and all these people are staring at me and I'm in excruciating pain and I'm just like... I don't know. I don't think maybe at that point I was cracking jokes, but it really is sort of the, the tension and the anxiety of the situation and the unknown, right? A lot of these situations, you're like, how is this going to get better kind of thing. Mm. So I, yeah, I think that tension kind of provokes the, the jokes, but oh, yeah. Uncomfortable situations. That's for sure. Um. And I, part of what I like to try to do is I guess when you just hear about different people's lives, you put things together. And I'm wondering if you're growing up in the church, I think most people associate church with like being pretty modest mm -hmm. and you probably don't want to be exposed in that way. And I'm wondering if that was 
something. I don't know how serious the church upbringing was for you, but like, could that play a part in it? You uh, not wanting think, to be an ex exhibitionist? <laughs> yeah. I've always been a little bit of a, a performer. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say attention seeker, but I like um, getting reactions and laughs, obviously. Um, I never really fit into that serious church setting. And thankfully, my churches weren't terribly serious. Um, and my family at my side, we were all quite humorous. So I felt there's a degree of security in that. But uh, okay, um, I didn't really get comfortable in my own skin until probably the last decade here. So yeah, it was, it was tough to fit into your typical church setting right we're being weird and kind of like randomly inappropriate or laughing at something in the middle of a sermon right that's just, just doesn't just don't fit in really well when you do those things yeah well because they take it serious <laughs> it's salvation <laughs> yeah no i'm i mean i'm i'm pretty pretty strong in my faith in that but it's been um challenging over the years to feel like I can be myself in some of those settings for sure. Right? There's, there's a lot of benefits to, to that whole community. Yeah. It's a weird, I shouldn't say, I don't know what the right word would be. I want to say contradiction. I don't know if that's right, but like churches are supposed to be, I, I would assume, and I I'm terrible at the denominations and what like the emphasis is or, of all of their tree branches off of religion, right? So I just typically go with Christianity. You're a sinner. Jesus cleanses you. You're healed. Jesus accepts you for who you are. Like real, real basics, right? And yeah. so many people feel awkward being who they are in church because of judgment. And the whole fucking point is Jesus made up for the judgment. You've been judged. You're all fucking weird. But guess what? It doesn't matter. You get saved because I died for you, right? Like that's ultimately the point. And yet people still want to act like I, I, I don't drink or I, I don't drink that often or I don't have these thoughts or I, this weird quirk of mine. No, it's not. Let me hide this. Let me make sure I wear all these buttons and I look fantastic on a Sunday. And you're like, shouldn't you just feel comfortable being you? Because that is the ultimate message is like he loved you for you being terrible and he died for you. So yeah. why are you upset about you being terrible, man? You know, it's always been like a weird dynamic. That I, maybe even weird is too strong of a word, but like something that I've been interested in. Yeah. Well, to hear that from somebody um, that you would profess to say you don't fully understand or are not immersed in the, the culture of uh, what I'm assuming would be the Protestant church in general here that you're speaking of to hear somebody like on, on your um, perspective uh, outside of that church setting to pretty much hit the nail on the head of one of the biggest hypocrisies in the church is um, it has a lot of gravity to it um, really because the church is supposed to be the place for those people who are hurting and healing to come to and feel accepted and, and to grow 
and yet you're 100% right, there is a facade. And um, I think the sad thing is not a lot of people are actually aware of that cognitive dissonance they have. Well, obviously, if it's cognitive dissonance, they're not entirely aware <laughs> they have it. But j just that sort of, um, you know, the contradiction. The contradiction is a really good word um, between who you really are and actually getting help with that and growing in truth or who you want other people to see, which you're actually not growing in truth, right? You're growing in, in a, almost a self-deception. So that's, that's a huge thing. Actually, I do have, um, I struggle with in the church is people lacking, um, can't find my words, just lacking being genuine. That's the right word for that. Yeah, well, I wonder how many, and I've, I mean, I, I wasn't raised, I guess I was raised Catholic. I had like a little, little bit of a salvation run in my 20s, I'd say, where I was, you know, regularly attending a church and it might have been for a couple years where... I was like, hey, man, I'm reading my Bible on my own. You know, I'm into Christian music. I'm finding some moral. I'm, I'm basically like developing and building a moral compass based around Old Testament, New Testament, Christianity. I want to say it was mostly non-denominational. Although um, right. I was driving up to some Pentecostal churches for a while because the worship music was on point and the celebration when the spirit was running through that church. It was just like, yeah, man, like it was hype. So I have decency but the decent understanding of it but it's funny because i feel the same way where like i look back and if it's supposed to be the body like i'm i'm amputated and it was no big deal that i was amputated i could hop around churches i could go to a new church every six to eight months and yeah. like you'd go through the same cycle. You'd meet people, you'd have some pleasantries. Maybe you'd grab lunch once after like the Sunday, you'd see each other, you find your little section you sit in and like, it never really felt like genuine relationships. It didn't feel exactly like networking, but it felt like more like networking. <laughs> Where like you go to this church to get access to stuff versus you go here to really support each other. But then you go to the, maybe it's me. <laughs> right? Like maybe that was part of me and my buffers and my guards and why it never happened because there's something fucked up with me and my relational aspects. Or you're in Canada. I'm in Delaware. Maybe it's the church. It's not us. It's them. <laughs> and there's something about the church that makes you feel this weird, awkward pressure to like be nice where you normally wouldn't or develop relationships with people that you normally like you don't have much in common with. I don't know. Or like you're scared to be you because you don't want to go to church and like get called out or blacklisted because they're like, Oh my God, she poured herself a second glass of wine. What the hell is up with her? And all of a sudden now, every time the preacher talks, the next eight sermons are about alcoholism. And you're like, Whoa, why, why are we into this book for so long? Proverbs this week again, huh? Hmm. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got a um, pretty good insight there. Unfortunately, uh, it definitely is. I think um, I think each person is responsible for uh, getting 
grounded in a church, right? Um, and myself being like, I'm not super social and I'm awkward with people and stuff. So for me to put myself out there is, it's tough, but it's still the onus is on me to plug in, right? Um, on the other hand, there is a responsibility for the church's part. And I think sometimes the church strives to be a place of programs and serve its own people. And that the, like the genuine relationship isn't necessarily a goal. Uh, a lot of churches will do life groups, right? Where you get together with I don't know, eight, 10, 12 other people. And those are the people that you kind of do life with, as they would say. So you develop this family and it is, it's like family because you do have a lot of people that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, hang with in the real world kind of thing. And, Right. So it is, you know, there's, there's dual responsibility there. And like, I have to take it, um, uh, take it upon myself to make sure that I am engaging in those relationships because they are beneficial and they help you grow and stuff. But, you know, on the other hand, if, if the church is just focusing on, um, programs, then it's, it's hard to, um, I don't know. I'm not saying it right. I just, I really think that there's, there's a two way street there. And yeah. Some people just fall through the cracks because, because the focus of the church is, is just so much on the, the institution of it and the programs and all that, that a lot of people kind of just, yeah, fall through the cracks. Unfortunately. Were you a church hopper like me? Um, Back in my day. Oh yeah, good for you. Put a ring on it. Yeah. Uh we moved around a lot, so it was um we'd try out a couple churches and then we would kind of just settle into one for however long we are in that location, right? So I'm in Alberta. So I've moved from central Alberta to southern Alberta, back again, different cities. So you know, church is important, so you just try to find one, and then you commit, you know, whether there's amazing worship or whatever, you just kind of know where you're meant to be. Um, yeah, so, but the, the problems that you've talked about, they, they come up in every church, so there's, there's just, um, you know, there's just something that would be good if it was addressed on a bigger level. Yeah, but so then like as I'm sitting here thinking and like you realize it's really simple. If church is run by people and people are sinful and fucked up, then of course the church is going to be sinful and fucked up, right? Like it's just, it's what it is because we shouldn't be so judgmental of the church if we expect the church not to be judgmental of us, right? It's true. But at the same time, we hold them to a higher standard because like you are the church. (laughs) You're the institution. (laughs) This is your thing, man. Do it right. <laughs> it's really crazy. And then it looks terrible to outsiders, right? Like if, if you're picking up on all the, like the real hot points, hot button things there, then it's going to be obvious to outsiders, right? Maybe. Or maybe they're taken away by like, like you said, the worship or the 18 piece band or the, 
you know, the extra whatever, like the to-go coffee mug that you get and the opportunity for eight different programs and they have 20 different things going on in the 14 youth groups that they have. And you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. And you're overwhelmed by the stained glass or the arches, right? The custom background with the crosses that are kind of built. Is that a cross? Well, it's an interpretive background. We don't want you to know if it's Peter or if it's Jesus's cross. Was it Peter that got hung upside down? Am I thinking about that right? Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Because there was one apostle that asked to be crucified upside down. I thought it was Peter because I thought it was like he got, he denied Jesus and then yeah. he wanted, they crucified him, but he, there was one that was crucified, I believe, upside down. Um, But anyway, like. Some churches get totally into that like contemporary aspect of it and they want to make it like edgy, right? And like, yeah. oh my God, the youth pastor is so funny. Plus he's wearing great fitting chinos and doesn't tuck in his polo. And you're like, he's so hip. You're like, oh, yep, guess he is. He knows pop culture. He's yeah. blending the real world and the church. <gasps> and you're just like taken away and you forget like, wait, what was the message today? Yeah. It was biblical. Sometimes there's Bible in churches. Right. Yeah, man. So I think when you're talking about program, like when you were saying the programs, I thought of all the extra aesthetics that go into it versus, hey, shouldn't it just really be, if the point of the church is like, we're trusting you as a leader to guide us with insight that we don't have on our own or stimulate some sort of conversation in our own minds, Holy Spirit, like that should be the goal. And you shouldn't have to have a bunch of aura and a bunch of ambiance to get there. The word of God should be enough. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, I, I don't disagree on that. People do like structure and they do like fancy things and whatnot um yeah i've just seen people who who go and i mean they're not terrible people and most of them are christians but they they go and it seems like those are fulfilling things for them um but there's other people who um, just know that, you know, because you have a VBS or whatever, you, you know, outreach in a big fancy program, if your goal is to reach people for Christ and you're going out of your way to do this huge, fancy, expensive program, and you might, you know, say you'll draw, you know, five kids or whatever into accepting Christ, whereas it takes a lot less pomp and effort to train your people how to share the gospel, right? And make it a real, a real thing. So, yeah, I don't know. This is an unpopular opinion. And I know a few people who would agree with me on it, but a lot of people would be pretty upset for me. Like, I, I, I wouldn't not go to church because of it. Let me just put it that way. Um, but in being in there and being the person that I am, I see those, you know, contradictions and it just kind of, um, 
it disturbs my spirit to to know it's not the best way to do things in terms of what we're supposed to be doing as you know practicing christians and blah 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 so yeah but i would i would never like walk away from the church because i see them doing these big things and you know that kind of thing yeah well I think people crave morality, right? You don't, I don't know if everybody wants to get the morality from government and laws. I think, I think you want their, I feel like AA gets it right. Where like you go to AA, there's a real simple prayer, right? And then there's the people just sharing their experiences. And it's like, that's it. There is no set. I think they start with a story of like, hey, this is the story. We got a pamphlet and it's an A story. React to the story. Anybody got anything they want to share? Let's roll. It could last 20 minutes. It could last two hours. And in the middle of it, if you want to get up and go, see you next week, Mark. <laughs> right? Stay strong. If you feel the need, call your sponsor. Right? The sponsor shows up. Like it's so simplistic, but it's like it, it it's a simplistic like church AA is. And I wonder if churches right. can kind of complicate it, maybe because the Bible has so much girth to it, <laughs> where it's like we got to cover all this stuff. <laughs> and you're like, that's ah, pretty simple. It's about people. It's about salvation. Well, yeah, I mean, the Bible doesn't cover like the the one thing in the Bible that churches are emulating is this this home group or life group thing where there's you know smaller groups of people that spend more time together and encourage each other but yeah, there's there's you know no fancy worship bands and light shows and and like you know vacation bible schools and summer camps and th that whole precedent of programs programs this is not really in the bible so i don't <laughs> i think that's like a worldly thing like yeah. they feel like they have to well, it's expansion, right? It's growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't know enough about it. I just remember one of the Pentecostal preachers bringing up, like, as they were trying to build a church, how banks looked to loan churches money because churches tended to pay their debts. And when that got hmm. brought up, I was like, I don't, I don't know if it's factual. I remember the dude saying it, and I'm like, so y'all are some of the best bets. That means you feel the need to make us donate definitely the 10% tides, but at the same time, a little more extra. And like, that's part of it. And we're doing that so that that really nice bass guitar can be there. Or you can buy that third camera so that now you can stream the worship and sell yeah. the DVDs. And you're like, yeah. how does all this come into souls and salvation? If the end yeah. goal is we want you to be yeah. saved, is this... But then again, like, who am I, man? Maybe I need to trust your vision. And maybe I'm the jerk for not believing in and being skeptical of your vision, right? I don't, it's, it's always, it was a weird contradiction in me. And I feel like I'm skeptical by nature. Yeah. But I don't know if it was the devil in me. <laughs> <laughs> I, think some of, I think some of us are just created to see things um, in different ways. Um, I just think it's, it's just sort of a nature of man to do what we're seeing. Um, there's some, uh, what do you call them? Sort of grassroots um, evangelists and, you know, people who would say they're prophets, New Testament prophets, 
that I was following on social media. And there just, there seems to be this pattern where, you know, they're meeting with people one-on-one and they're engaging in, in relationship and like, you know, getting to know each other. And, um, there's just a real fire and there's a lot of growth, but then all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, I'm writing a book. Oh, I'm doing music. Oh, we're looking for somewhere to, you know, home base and we're growing this following and we need money for this. And it always just seems to do that. Like there's a certain ambition built into people. And I personally get disappointed. Like I tend to kind of walk away from, following or watching those people just because I see that that path coming and I don't yeah. want to judge them as individuals but I see that pattern well it's right? so I fucking crooked have... like, like well it's so crooked man like the Joel Osteen types right the Cleflo Dollar like your fucking last name is it really Dollar and you are got private <laughs> jets and Bentleys and this shit and like Joel Osteen like what, what are you saying man like you and that's like the mega church. If you're de- I feel like if you're decently educated and informed, you can't walk in there and be like, that's what God meant. If you accept God for what God is in a biblical sense, this is what God wants his, this is God's cheerleader. This is one of God's apostles. You're almost like, dude, he would take Judas over Joel Olstein. Uh, <laughs> like Judas at least fulfills a prophecy that leads to salvation where Joel Olstein is just milking it on top. Right. right? Like it, it, it's just, it, it, they get into it and they get a bottom line and they get a business. And it's like, if, if you had real faith to me, like God doesn't need a bottom line, right? Like fucking water to wine, right? Like fed 5,000. Like, uh, what was right. it? Like one say like six fish fed, 7,000 people, like two different instances, right? So he needs yeah. you to have 18 accountants? What? No, <laughs> he doesn't, right? If you believe what you're preaching, but you feel you need X amount of stuff to get X amount of numbers in the seats because you've got a formula that allows you to maintain a lifestyle. And that's kind of jacked right. up. It's kind of jacked up. Yeah, it is. It's, it's worthy of some criticism. I do believe that you know, different people will draw in people to God. Um, but I agree with you on the, on the fact of people knowing um, biblical precepts and wanting to learn more about that. They shouldn't be able to stay in that environment. That's almost what you would call the, the milk environment, right? So you, you have new Christians come in and they get that milk Um, but you should be moving on to the meat. So there's, there's a benefit to having that sort of base level of pomp and, and freedom. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just, when you were talking, I was just thinking about like Billy Graham and he would have these big events, but he didn't, that wasn't his church, right? Like, I don't know entirely about his history, but he, did evangelical uh, events but he didn't have all of this um like self-indulgence as far as i know like maybe you can correct me on that but yeah i i don't i don't remember i i believe his children if you'd have gotten to me maybe 15 years ago i'd have had more specifics in my mind 
about it. Um, it's just been so long since I've really tried to get through like the um, Chuck Swindles and the Billy Grahams and the yeah. Pat Robertsons and the Joel Osteens, like the old white upper class dudes who just yeah. were like running the institutions. But I right. thought Billy Graham's thing was more carnival-like, where mm. you get up, you move around, you're mobile, and that, why are you mobile? Because you go out and spread the gospel. You're not yeah. stationary and just expecting people to come to you. What you're doing is you're seeking out areas of needs, you're spreading the word, and then you're leaving, yeah. and you're trusting that God's word is enough, and that churches will pop up, which I believe is more... New Testament where the apostles would go out and wasn't that the whole point of all those letters like Thessalonians and Philippians, right? Like those were all little churches that, and I don't remember the map thing, but like they weren't in Jerusalem, I believe, right? Like they, like all of a sudden it's like, wow, you got hold of here and we got this many believers here and oh my God, I'm here and James, let me report back in here and oh, fucking got arrested, but we got 85 believers and here they are and they bring me food every day and they love me and we talk about the gospel through this one little window and you're like, that's what was spreading the word after Christ died, right? Came back and inspired people on the road and like, you take that aspect and you go to, I need 40,000 square feet and Bose speakers everywhere. And you're like, because I'm going to reach people with, by, exactly. yeah, by right? building basements. I'm going to go out and reach people by making the strongest foundation. I'm going to reach people by building castles. Almost positive. Right we learned like the whole babble thing didn't work, right? Like there was this, the, the more sedentary and built up you get, the more you make it about the person, the more pissed off God gets. Cause it ain't fucking about you. It's supposed to be about God. And it's right. a really weird thing in people where they get that. And it's a beautiful message and it's very selfless. And you want to give of yourself. You see someone in need. I want to help you. Right. And then it turns into like this, wow, I have this power to make people feel good. So now I don't need a job. I don't have to just preach on Sundays. That is right. my job to preach right. on Sundays because I've made enough money. And you're like, oh man, ah, oh. it messes with me. It messes with me. So anyway, all that to say, I believe my impression of Billy Graham, now I feel like his children drifted, though I can't remember their names or what they did. <laughs> but I feel like somehow the money came in and it turned into something that I would question. But I don't yeah. know. But I felt yeah. Billy Graham was so popular because he was that dude that would get up there. He would preach for like an hour and a half, two hours. You'd feel the passion and the intensity and the earnestness of his beliefs. Right. He'd inspire people around and I'm out. I'm going to trust the spirit does its work. And I'll be back maybe next year. I'll be back when I'm back. It's not like, right. buy your tickets now. September 18th and 19th, 1965. Billy Graham coming through. One time only. You know, like, it wasn't that. Make sure to get your t-shirt and exactly. your digital copy sermon and share it with your friends. And if you buy now the VIP $400 package, exclusive access to Billy for 30 minutes before the sermon. You'll get his be in the running for his sweaty undershirts soaked with Holy Spirit, right? Like, like 
Yeah, right? Like, dude, but you can see that. And you're like, yeah, okay. People fucking, they package it. Should it be packaged? Uh, I don't know. I feel like um, there's probably got to be people in their circle that are not leading them in the right direction, right? Because a lot of people start out fairly humble, right? And then, like you said, they go to these extremes and it's kind of, they're justifying that but i they can't do that in isolation they absolutely cannot institutions of that size there's there's people in their ear that are uh you know some will be saying you need to do this and then um the people who like there's just no people there who are willing to say yo buddy like we need to we need to not go in this direction and they're just they're not going to hear those people right? right Or is it like the human nature? Maybe it's the sin of the world that people bought in. Maybe that's the the apple, right? And now all of a sudden you've succumbed to the sin as all humans do. And that's what's meant to be, right? Maybe it's just nature that is, because isn't that kind of part of it? Like the world is supposed to be fighting God in some sense, right? So it, I don't know, man. It, it's, it gets deep because you want, the hope out there and you don't want to poo poo people who are earnest with their message and honest, yeah. but it's such a weird line and it's, it, Oh, church always reminded me of like the, um, slogan in the States. I don't know if it made it up to Canada, but like the Supreme court saying, I forget what justice it was, but it's like, I can't tell what I can't give you a definition of what porn is. I just know it when I see it. <laughs> have you heard that before? I have not heard that. Okay. And so I might have to Google while we're talking. Hopefully it doesn't fuck up the Zoom on my phone and my laptop. But oh. I feel there was it's a pretty famous slogan where it's like, I can't tell, I can't give you a definition of like what a bad church would be or what is the uncomfortable characteristics, what is too much. There is no definite formula, but you just know it when you see it, you get a feel for it and it, it's hard to define. Can I back it up for a second there? You, you, you said something that made me have a, a longstanding question that I thought you could answer being in English. We'll find uh, out. Teacher. So you said all of the sudden, and I've been dying to ask somebody who knows. Oh God, I don't know. It used to be all of a sudden. And then suddenly it was all of the sudden in my experience. So which one is right? And why would that have changed? <laughs> um, <laughs> all of a sudden, all of the sudden. What would be the difference between a singular, the, both are articles. And that's the end of my knowledge. I got nothing for you. I don't know the difference. I don't know the difference between a, the using the article of a singular and the, I feel like the is when you take a larger group and try to make it singular where a you're remaining singular. If that makes sense, like the Avengers, not an Avenger. Are you familiar yeah. with the Avengers? <laughs> oh yeah. 
Yeah. Right? So you, you have all these people. You're not like, oh, man, I can't wait for an Avenger. Because that means one of the group. But if you're talking about a large group that has a common interest, it's the. Mm -hmm. Right? So all of the sudden, I wonder if people subconsciously have like grouped a bunch of suddens together versus a singular sudden moment that they're referring to. Is sudden a noun? In that Is instance, it? yes. Because you're referring yeah. to a specific event. It's like effect and effect where one's a verb, yeah. one's a noun. Right. So like suddenly, I believe would be an adverb because you're describing how something happened where if it's all of a sudden, that's a moment. So that moment is a noun because it's a thing. Yeah. I just don't know how a sudden is, is a thing. Because it, it, it sounds like it's a preposition almost. An action? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like, I think it goes suddenly, and then sudden would be a noun. Um, so I can look that up, too, because that'd be interesting. So anyway, just so that I'm not seen as this weird, like, porn dude, Google's <laughs> telling me about federalnewsnetwork.com bullying and porn. 1964 Supreme Court obscenity case, Jacob Bellis versus Ohio. Associate Justice Potter Stewart wrote that hardcore pornography is hard to define, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> and like, I don't know how to so a 1964 quote um, sticks in my head and um, I don't mean to associate churches with porn, but it's more like the <laughs> saying of like, when you're on that fence and you can't, find it but you just know it when you see it right like you're it's just like that gut feel right except for in the case of pornography you literally see it <laughs> don't have to sometimes you just hear it <laughs> interesting so i sudden is an adjective there i go with my dumbass self um sudden is an adjective occurring quickly Right, an adverb is suddenly describing when sudden hap or when something happens. So yeah, then if you actually all of a sudden, if you're speaking about the moment, you're describing that moment. But if you said all of a sudden, there is no noun, and to be a sentence, you have to have a noun or a subject. Good for you, you linguistical <laughs> sleuth. Oh, here's another one. Okay. <laughs> are, are these part of your notes? Did no, you study me and you're setting me up? Oh man, all right. That teacher had just on. like personal struggles in my mind that are always there. <laughs> okay, so we have I am and we say I'm. We have is not and you say isn't. And you have he is, she is, they are, we are. So why do you not say amn't, am not, didn't, did not, couldn't, could not, amn't, am not? I've never thought of that. Because I am is its own. So you'd actually be combining three. But you... Uh, I feel like I solved but that you, one. I feel like, no, I feel like I got that real quick for you. 
No, she she is not is she isn't. So I am not is I am. Oh, okay. I'm with you now. Yep, I was wrong. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, because what you would say is the conjunction would go with the I am and not. So you, you're taking three and you're putting them down to two, right? She yeah, did she not. Did. She didn't. Taking three, putting right. it down to two. I am not. I'm. There's your two to one. Yeah. Not. So I don't know why it goes to the noun, not the state of being, me trying to sound educated. Um, I don't even know if that's right because M is the state of being. I don't know what not would be. I guess describing your state of being, so it would be an adjective. Good call. <laughs> Emmett. Emmett. I wonder if it has to do with Something about vowels and the way in English you need a noun to be a conjunction with. But no, you have I'll, like I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to put a vowel up there and then throw a couple consonants after it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Didn't. Yeah, because I'm trying to think of the rules. So like... <laughs> Eminent, maybe that, maybe it's that simple where it's like she didn't, did not move in the N to the D, right? And then replacing the vowel. So then if it's M not, maybe it's just that if the, maybe the rule is if letters are close in the alphabet, they can't be close with apostrophes. Uh... L M N. <laughs> like eminent. Right? Like maybe you're not allowed to conjunction or apostrophe them. What makes you think of this shit? Like what? I don't know. <laughs> Why? Somebody told me I was good at writing. I guess that comes with the territory. I don't know why I think of this stuff. I have a problem. I don't think it's a problem. But I like it's it's unique for sure. Yeah, I know. My poor friends. So, my poor children. Oh, my gosh. Why, why are they poor? Because you have this kind of we, mindset. I don't know. They just kind of throw their hands up and, and they just don't know where I come up with it and they walk away. I was like, can somebody please engage me in this? <laughs> oh, and just come up with like stupid ass theories to speculate yeah. on? Like, why? Why does it matter? I'm like, I don't know, but it's haunting me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, My favorite is whelmed, like overwhelmed, underwhelmed, but nobody ever says yeah. whelmed. Like what the fuck does whelmed mean on its own? It always gets the over, always gets the under. If you're just right, uh, if you're just okay, how can we don't say whelmed? Why do, why, do, why do we say okay? That's a good one. You know, I feel like I stole it from the office. I'm not sure. Ah. Uh, but I don't even know if whelmed. Now you're making me Google a third thing. Like, does, would whelmed even be a word if wordled went with that many letters? Whelmed. It's hard to say because, okay, for school, I use word hippo. It is my best friend, um, especially for synonyms. And they didn't even have the word qualia 
which was a term that um, I came across in philosophy. And I'm like, word hippo, why are you going to disappoint me like this? It's a, like, you know, it's a real word. Qualia? Qualia. Never heard of it. I, oh. I think you imagined well, that. That was no. pretty, pretty late at night reading. It's like my first philosophy class, like entry-level philosophy. So I feel like that I'm not the crazy person here. Um, yeah, no, it's Q-U-A-L-I-A. And I didn't do well in that class. But it's like, it's a descriptive for a feeling. Huh. Yeah, it's really a common term in philosophy. A word that I really I got into was succinct that I couldn't spell. Okay. I still don't know how many C's are in it. But like when people throw that in there and they say it's smooth, you're just like, God, that's glorious. Succinct. Actually, it might be three. Yeah, I feel like there's three. It was back in the day before the internet and our friends and I were talking shit because our professor would always say it and we were trying to spell it. And we fucking oh, yeah. called, we called a library because we didn't have a dictionary pre-internet. <laughs> and we were talking to the librarian to be like, how do you spell succinct? Will you look this up? That was, I still remember it. No fucking internet, no dial up. We were like, dude, we're calling a library. <laughs> like that's how stupid we were. Did you ever use a phone to call the time? Do you remember doing that? I do not. I do Oh my gosh. Yeah, I used to uh, circumvent my parents, roll the clocks back on Christmas morning because we used to be able to go on the phone, push a few little numbers, and you could get the weather, but you could also get the time for some reason. Like maybe if none of your, there was no satellite timing or whatever for clocks, but you just dial, boop, boop, boop. The time is 4.21. So like Christmas morning, I would get up and it's 6.30, but my parents had the clock set for like 4.30 or something. I'm like, oh. nope. <laughs> Dude, that's smart. Smart parents. And talk about a failed industry. Like how does the call for time in the weather industry, like is that government subsidized? Like how is that even a business? Are you getting charged like a dollar fifty a minute on your home line? How was that thing even sustainable? I mean, we were all paying for landlines, right, monthly then. So it was probably just like a commonplace service. Like the phone I mean, company, it was just like 411 type stuff. Yeah. But I feel like 411, you had to pay like 35 cents per lookup. Uh, I don't remember that, maybe. No. Maybe. Oh, tell me about your writing. Because something social media, and I'm curious if this is in your notes of anticipated questions. You had like in your Instagram story, thanks for checking. You had in your Instagram story, um, like a, one of the things for memes. And like, is that a hobby of yours in your spare time? Like you actually create memes? Do you write other stuff? I do not create memes. This is not in my notes, but I thought you were going to talk about the uh, writing award that I got. Um, no way. Yeah. Humble brag, go with that. <laughs> well, that's like a post, so it's just one little post. So I thought that's where you were going with the whole writing thing. Uh, but memes are just just because they bring me joy in life, and 
on Instagram, you can just save them, right? If you create that little highlight or whatever. Yeah. So they're there perpetually in perpetuity. Um, yeah. That's a great word too. (laughs) Perpetuity. Perpetuity. Yeah, another one that I do. God, we're so we're so fucking stupid because we're like so into like what are unique words that you say often just to say them, um, cyclical and gesticulations. I love gesticulations, especially around like fourteen year old boys. I'm like, you better calm all that gesticulating down, son. And it's so close to like testicular, like right and. It, yeah. it, you can tell like they're totally not used to people being like that and saying like, well, what do you mean? Like all your hands waving, all you moving. Oh, I don't know. It's, it's a <laughs> weird word that I love throwing out there. That's awesome. They were totally blank right now. I have to ask my daughter what I say all the time. I don't know. Some go-to words. Yeah. Everybody has them. I feel, especially if you're like red or if you're thoughtful, if you just enjoy words, expression mm-hmm. in general, there, it, it's funny, man. Your spirit will just gravitate towards certain words. They'll be your go-tos. Yeah. Dude, tell me about the writing award. I had no fucking idea. How did I miss this thing in my super social media sleuthing? Yeah, it's like uh, I'm holding up a little certificate with my little short purpley hair. Um, that was my first year of school. So that was, um, I wrote that paper before COVID hit. And it was my first first English class it was uh composition and it's a required class and um I was doing horribly like I've always known that I had a knack for writing for conveying thought and whatnot um but I was really doing horribly my first semester and it was kind of a wake-up call but um I had a really good prof um Shout out to Roger Davis at the college. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife actually wrote the book that we used on essay writing. So it was, it was so well done. And I just was so frustrated with myself that I sat down and I just really broke everything down. Our final essay, it wasn't very long, but it was a research essay and it was on um, an indigenous issue or topic. And I just, you know, went with formula and I wrote it and I feel like it was somewhat inspired, which sounds really like bragging. I don't mean it to be like that, but. No, I think it's a breakthrough, right? Like there, there's a balance between a breakthrough and bragging. And it's really cool when you have breakthrough moments that you want to tell people about. And you're, I mean, you seem very humble and it's cool when it's like, dude, I fucking sucked at this and I overcame it. I worked hard and it, like, I'm proud. There's absolutely nothing wrong yeah. with that. I don't see it as bragging. Bragging be like, well, if you're speaking about my first award that I won, yeah. <laughs> right? And then you like go with like 38, but yeah. Yeah, right? Like it's cool. It, yeah. Don't, don't feel like you're bragging. I didn't take it at bragging as bragging at yeah. all. Yeah. So it just, it, it, I thought it was good. I thought, okay, I think this is what I was supposed to do. And it came back at like 99%. And I was like, what the heck? Like, did you read the same paper I read? Right. Um, and then each professor in, you know, in a semester can, um, submit, you know, a paper or whatever from their students to be uh, nominated for these awards. So that went in there. Um, 
and actually in my second English class, I wrote a paper on the great god Pan and that teacher nominated it, but I won for the, the first paper, um, second place. And uh, so that's kind of been published on the, um, the journal archive at the college here. And uh, I got a teeny tiny little check and I get to put on my resume that I won this award and I was accepted to go to a conference to present it. And the week before the conference came is when COVID shut everything down. So your anxiety and, manifested COVID because you were so yeah. worried. <laughs> you got that level in you where it... <laughs> I am powerful! <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I don't know. I don't know which tree branch to climb onto because I'm curious about both. Like, what was the actual theme and what did you prove on the essay versus like how fucking bed stricken were you thinking about presenting this essay? I don't know which road to go down. I want to go down both at the same time. I don't know how. Um, oh, gosh, there's there's a lot of story in in the pre and the post. OK, let's go linear. Let's go chronological. Okay. Let's go pre. Okay. Yeah, build it up. Pre, pre. I was not settled on what to do, and I'm not going to lie. I wasn't keen on doing um, a topic in, in any indigenous capacity uh, for for the paper. But what happened um, in the course of figuring out what I was doing with that topic? I really had a lot of revelations about my own actual, I'm going to get pretty heavy, about my own racism against Indigenous people. And oh. uh, there was a huge process there, um, like you would say, a little awakening within all of that. And I feel like that guided and was part of that paper. Again, really small paper, so it doesn't seem like it goes together, but it's in there. What I did was... Um, I decided to approach the sorts of imagery that we see as a, as a whole um, of indigenous persons in our country. And I pulled different examples. Um, there's an example of a young indigenous child um, dressed up in a certain fashion in one uh, side by side. And the other side is him being um, civilized, right? Put in, cutting his hair, putting him in Christian clothes and whatnot like this. So this is an image. And then, um, and can I just, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, yeah. I just want to make sure I'm following cause Canadian Delaware, when you're talking about indigenous, like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like native Americans yeah. or is it a different cultural moniker name label that is going on in Canada? Okay. Um, yeah, good, good question, good point. It is one name that we use for all of the. Um, we do like pre-settled. Hey, you were here first. We came over yes. from France, kind of a thing. We expanded from England, and y'all yes. were here first, and we battled you and took your land. In in essence, yeah. So indigenous is the whole. Uh, descriptive of the whole, but we do have three uh, major groupings. Um, God, okay. First Nations, Métis, 
and Inuit or Inuk. Um, so as a whole, yeah, they're the, the first people. The uh, we call them indigenous. Gotcha. There's, there's levels of acceptable. Um, yeah, it, it's one of those like tread lightly things, right? Because I'm I'm so ignorant to it that I don't know how to not offend people other than my just admitting my general ignorance and being like, yeah. don't mean to offend. Here's where I'm at. Feel free to correct me. And I'm not going to say you're wrong. And I'm not going to hold some steadfast position of no, I'm right. You're a blank, right? But okay, I just wanted to, I, that's what I figured. I just wanted to ask because I wasn't yeah. exactly sure. Yeah, that's 100% what it is. And yeah, I went from a place of pretty significant ignorance um, in in the first year of my college education to a, a big awareness and uh, I won't say empathy because I can't even imagine. But um, yeah, so I was doing images and realizing that things like that picture that was staged and things... Uh, other images we have, like the um, the initiative of, oh, it's been a few years. Of course, I'm going to get this wrong. We want positive um, self-talk. Positive self-talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not bad at that. Um, <laughs> there's an artist um, who pays uh, or draws attention anyways to the um, it's it's a problem <laughs> it's a problem um, missing and murdered indigenous women in Canada and she does the um, the redress object spelled like redress but it's red dress and uh, she did displays of red dresses all in, um, well, we do them all over the country now, but she started in uh, maybe the capital. I'm going to get that wrong. But the imagery of these hanging dresses, these disembodied dresses that represent women who have gone missing and they they get forgotten, right? They Holy shit, dude. Whatever. Um, right, up. You know, I'm just Googling it and it's in Vogue.com how red dresses became a symbol for missing and murdered indigenous women. Downtown Nelson, British Columbia, just outside of Nelson City Hall, a dozen red dresses currently hang um, from tree branches leading off. I had no idea. I'm sorry, keep seeing but like, no, it's, you can just Google it and it's popping up. Yeah. Um, SmithsonianMag.com. Artist ja- in SmithsonianMag.com, artist Jamie Black. Jamie Black, yes, thank you. Said Red Red Resses Project. Red Res is an expression of her grief for the thousands of Native victims. It's got a Wikipedia page. I mean, mm-hmm. CBC.ca. Jamie Artist, JamieBlackArtist.com. If you want to look it up, no, super easily Googleable. Mm-hmm. I, and I never heard about it. Like, right. you're educating me to it. Either. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty serious issue because it kind of highlights the the discrimination, and some people would contest that. But it's pretty. When you look into it, it's, it seems pretty obvious to me the discrimination 
um, towards indigenous groups who are under this kind of it's it's a disproportionate amount of um, murders, I guess, is this just the one basic concept. Um, so I did, I used that uh, in the same vein, I used um, uh, Highway of Tears, I believe, which is uh, part of the highway, the Trans-Canada Highway that runs from Northern BC down and the amount of, of women and girls that have gone missing on that highway and they they don't investigate the murders and they just they end up nowhere but then um the images of like the the white girl actually from red deer who went missing and just the the media flurry and everything so there's that contrast right the image uh... contrast so, Dude, that got brought up like white girl murder. I feel like that was a thing that got pointed out. Might have been after Natalie Holloway a couple, maybe five, eight years was the first time I heard about it. Where like white white middle class, upper class girl gets murdered, blank amount of news coverage. Where yeah. someone else gets murdered, you look at a bar graph and it's like, does the other person even get coverage compared to the white girl murder? of coverage. Um, that's funny. Yeah. I just heard might've been six a year ago and I forget what the case was. It was the boyfriend where they were hiking somewhere where he was like, I don't know where she is. And then like a month later they find her in a swamp right. in the guy. I right. want to say it was in Florida where they were like out vanning life. And part of what they got into is the disproportionate coverage of where is this girl? Let's help find this girl. Right. Apparently because she's white, middle, upper class versus other people who go missing that get zero coverage. Right. Dude, it's, it really, and I'm, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but it, it's, it's pretty interesting the parallels across countries. Yeah. So like the same things happen. It's almost like an alternative universe where like the same thing is happening, but through a different means. Mm-hmm. Which is makes my corrupt mind go to like the Illuminati just running the entire world, right? Um, so all this stuff, <laughs> I know, right? Um, so all this like wave of it. What are you experiencing? Is it guilt? Is that what's pouring into this essay? Is it just reflection of I can't believe I was so ignorant and took this for granted, like? What's the inspiration behind noticing all this? It was, um, I think the spirit behind it was realizing that this wasn't, um, it was a real issue. And like, I hadn't been aware of it. And the fact that most people I would know hadn't been aware of it. I didn't hear about residential schools. I didn't know about the 60s scoop. And all of this hit at once in, in within the production of this essay. I just found a way to express it through, you know, the, the series of images. Um, yeah, the, the motion was mostly just realizing kind of getting over my own racism, honestly, if I'm being honest, that I grew up near um, 
uh, it would be like housing for indigenous people and you develop the racism pretty quick and I would never say that I would um, like neglect a person or whatever because of who they are or culture or whatever but there was you know this distinct thing in the back of my mind and then learning about all this stuff and learning about how our culture has kind of hidden it and twisted it and and how everything just went so wrong just because there are certain people it it just it kind of it broke my heart really um and you know it was a research essay i was told early on to stop taking myself out of my work because mm. the the props were like you know you're you're making these big statements and you're putting yourself in you need to take yourself out so it really was an exercise in objective um analysis it was a research essay so but yeah there was i call it um no i don't back it up wrong thing but <laughs> um yeah it just was really personal to me and it was just a little paper and to have that kind of validation uh in the writing part of it it was like you said it was just significant moment for me all around so was there a so if i think of an essay i think of a thesis right like almost yeah. a singular statement focus do you have a sentence that kind of drove you or that you kept like going back to as you were like elaborating or honing your argument it kind of like when you do the writing process you kind of start with the idea of it and you you write and research and rewrite and your thesis tends to evolve and adapt to that because you're you're looking at lines of evidence and what you thought you wanted to say maybe isn't quite what you wanted to say and the things that you want to prove in in the essay are almost more important so you tweak that thesis a little bit and you know what on going to be honest i don't even really recall the the specific thesis Got you. But yeah, were you trying to remember it as you were working through all those words? Yeah. <laughs> Good job, you. Good job. Yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, man. Like, it's okay. Right? But There's really something that's missing when you don't have that visual, right? Because I'm sure. Well, dude, it's one of those things where it sounds like it meant a lot to you. You poured a ton of energy, effort, <clears throat> and time into it. And then when you're done, it's just like, thank God that's over. And you almost want to like, just move on. You know, like I, I think people who have like studied or get that like anxiety or that, man, I, th this is good work. Um, I'm feeling like I'm growing. Like those watershed moments, it, yeah. you, you don't have those ingrained in your mind because it's such effort to get through it yeah. that done, get rid of it. <laughs> so I don't think, I, I, I feel like that would not be uncommon. I feel like honestly, that would be pretty common if people work that hard for something that was difficult for them where they couldn't recall a little, I don't know, like details about it. Right. And yeah, there's some things like I, you know, I've shared, there's some things that are pretty clear in my mind. Yeah. A lot of it is not very clear, but yeah, it was, it was more of a, 
an emotional connection and also getting the process right, you know, getting the, the, the structure of an essay, making sure all the, the parts are in there and they're all working together. So I feel like I got rewarded on more than one level for that. Well, you said you got a check too, right? Yes, a little bitty check. Dude, that's that's the highest level is can you get paid to write? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is my career. <laughs> I didn't even cash it. It's still on my fridge. No, I was a student. I needed that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, did you at least like go have some fun with it or did it like go to some sort of weird ass bill? I think I cut my hair with it, maybe. <laughs> Got some highlights. Yeah, I, I think I got it. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, then they asked if I would do what's called the Agora um, Conference. And that's a situation every year in the spring where you, any, any student can submit an abstract for a paper or like a, a piece of art or whatever. Oh, wait, pause. I don't know if you can hear me. You went mute. Last thing I heard was Agora. And then you had a lot of gesticulations and your lips were moving. Oh, okay, there you, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're back. I don't know if something got hit incidentally, but you were feeling the story. Last thing I had was Agora. Oh, so you said you were setting it up like there was an Agora conference and yeah. and then all of a sudden it was nothing but silence and hand gestures. Right. You, you can interpret those very well. So from what I understood, it was you and several small puppets. Yes. <laughs> those puppets were made of pure animal skin. Yeah. However, they were inside out. And it represented souls being born and birthed and displayed for others to understand and accept them. And then at the end, though, the weird part is they get treated like Kit Kats and you just eat them. I feel like I got the Kit Kat part from one of the memes where that you posted in yours. And it might be wrong about that. Maybe it was someone else's, but it was like, imagine you date someone who's eating a Kit Kat like this and then you're like relationship over. <laughs> oh, I've seen that meme. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's hard to watch. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I, anyway. So the whole point of like eating it for some reason is I was trying to like think of some stupid thing to say was, I believe it was inspired by one of the memes that I was going through your story being like, that is pretty fucking funny. Like who would eat a Kit Kat that way? <laughs> it's just wrong. It's just wrong. Break it off. It's a fucking slogan. It's a song. You don't eat it like a Snickers. Break it off. That's the point. There's research. There's research. A lot of people put effort into this. There's a right way to do it. You fucking savage. Um, you go with it once. Exactly. God, stop shaving right now. You're uncivilized. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. So that was a complete side branch. That was a twig that just spurred from our conversation. Out of the finger. 
<laughs> out of the fingers. Me just again telling a stupid ass tale. Baby. Did you ever see um was it called Kung Pao? Was that what it was called? Stephen Odekirk? Is and that he's like a, a martial arts thing and he's got his tongue, has a face on the tongue and I don't remember watching it. I remember seeing the trailer for it. Okay. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Why are you bringing that up? Because of the, the finger branching off and uh, having something. I was just thinking about that. Gotcha. Oh, situation. It's Similar weird. image. Yeah, dude, dude, that's the fucking, like, again, like, that's, that's the, and I enjoy it. Um, and it's part of like, honestly, like what you just did there is a lot like how I teach is I just throw randoms out there, almost like grenades or fireworks to see if it grabs back or inspires somebody, right? Like, I think that's kind of the cool thing. Like, just be fucking random, say where you're at and it's not a big deal, you know? I'm pausing because I lost you for about 20 seconds right before fireworks. I could tell. I was just going into my teaching philosophy again. I was hoping the lag would catch up if I shut the fuck up. <laughs> like maybe you're getting too wordy. That's why Zoom is like, dude, saying too much. Your computer is like, oh, can you stop? Already? No doubt. Fucking done recording you, man. Stop it. You're not that exciting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what were you we talking about? Like the, hey, if we could take the social cues kind of a thing, right? Like if it was like, if I could pick up on these cues, like maybe the Zoom's been cueing me the entire time. Like, yo, bro, not that funny. Dude, how weird would that be? Like Instagram filter versus like Zoom recording your audio filter and all of a sudden the connection just starts getting like buffered if zoom has an algorithm to read the faces when people are like zoned out and they're like this <laughs> motherfucker and then all of a sudden the connection goes blank and it's like the like passive aggressive way to at the oscars where the music starts playing and they're like wrap up your speech zoom figures out the algorithm and it's just like i don't know oh must be a bad connection no, dumbass. You're on you're on Zoom 3.0. It's been upgraded. Bill! Bill! We're doing it again! Screw up! No, no, you made the face. No. Nope, you're done. Okay. I swear it's the Wi-Fi or it's your lack of interesting analogies. One or the other. Oh, good times. Oh. Um, so now that I've distracted you, do you want yeah. to talk about the buildup to your big presentation and the battle of anxiety that goes along with it? Because I'm super interested to make you feel all those anxious feelings again. I'm hoping no. you'll go there. Yeah. I mean, we can go there. I feel like it's kind of anticlimactic right at this point is it <laughs> uh, yeah i mean okay so it's a big presentation that you have to do and you have to walk through 
like you have to go back to your paper and this is you know months on and um yeah i have huge social anxiety so to stand up in front of any number of people and you know get over that that feeling of everybody you know judging you and you know what i mean like calling out all your mistakes like in your mind um that was huge but I knew I had to do it because honestly, as somebody who was looking for a degree in anthropology in academia period, like, you know, looking ahead going, this might be something I'm doing. I might have to present. I said, like, I have to do this as, as sick. I felt sick. Um, it's really hard to recall sort of at that time, but I, I remember feeling incredibly sick, um, but I really, it was just more of, I have to do this because this, this could be my future. This could be part of my career. Right. And I have the opportunity to do that right now and I need to get that under my belt. So I was, um, in the process I had gone through the essay and I had, you know, worked it into points because you have to do it in presentation in about 10 minutes, I think. So that was a whole new process, figuring out that, like talking through it, picking things. Were you, I'm sorry to cut you off, man, but like, were you too long or were you too short? Were you the person that needed to take more away or were you the person that needed to add more to hit the 10 minute mark? I take away. I'm always taking away, Sean. It's hard, dude, that, that's the hard part. Honestly, like when people, when you have that much thought and you deliberate over what is the importance and all of a sudden you're fighting for like 15 seconds and you're like, well, if I say this word that adds four seconds and it takes away from this point, which could be 22 seconds and then I'll buy some. And for some reason that 10 minutes can't go to 10.03 or 10.08. It's like, it has to be 10 and it can't be like 9.51. You know, like that, yeah. and that's a hard did, thing to be, man. We had the flexibility. We, like, you know, most of our presentations had a certain level of flexibility, but you're right, just making um, certain thoughts more concise and then having to make them more concise and yeah. trying to convey the same information and impact. In, in that process like it's a it's a learning process um literally when i got the chance to do like my first nine page essay in school i was like oh thank the lord because i would normally have to cut down 10 pages into five or six when i do research essays without fail i think i'm okay i'm only doing this many sources okay i'm only doing this and it's always for me too much information so that's and lean on that side so it was a really good exercise too and I was so like I was so nervous and like sick but I was so geared up to do it and get that under my belt that when COVID took that away man that was that was pretty harsh like I still haven't done anything like that that sucks dude especially if you got to the point where like did you know you were gonna do it Like there was, yeah, right? See, that's that fucking, fucking, fucking COVID, right? Like (laughs) someone who's going to have that next level breakthrough. And now it like, what the fuck, man? 
how do I grab that moment back? Because now there's a bunch of other motherfuckers that have wrote essays. They're going to get up there and fucking talk, right? Like that's the cycle. The Lion King taught us that, right? The cycle of life. Mm-hmm. Like the shit just rolls and you're like, man, it sucks that you got to that point, but never got to actually win. You know, you yeah. never, you never got to fucking experience it, dude. I'm sure I'll be able to at some point again. Yeah, I feel like I really like. No, nah, nobody's gonna listen. No, I'm just kidding. That wouldn't be too <laughs> to much. No. Like, Gosh, no. You get to the point. You're like, hey, ready to go March first. They're like, uh, old news, done. <laughs> oh man. And you're just like soul crushed. And the meme would be a can, like a 16 ounce can that has like a heel that flattens it to that little like disc that cans turn into. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, my soul after being rejected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the buildup of knowledge and inspiration. Yeah, inspiration crushed. Thank you. Right? Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that end of the story isn't that elaborate because. It's, it's just anxiety, but yeah, but dude, I think that's a thing, man. I like, I, I don't think that's a thing. That's a real thing. Building yourself up to the point where you're going to do something you're extremely uncomfortable with, but at the same time, getting the confidence and having the preparation to know I can face this fear. Like that, yeah. that, that kind of stuff snowballs. It builds for people, man. It really does. And that's actually something that could be. We talk about what was lost and like experiences and then you start to hone into like what experiences and we were talking about that earlier with like social hierarchies and pecking orders and what about the overcoming fear? What about something for kids as simple as like I'm going to sit next to somebody I like and like ask them out and like kids miss that, right? And you, not that you were going to ask somebody out, but like you missed that opportunity of this is my fear. I'm going to own it and I'm going to perform in that environment. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people's trajectories were stunted. And they, that does a lot of damage. Um, I think that does a lot of damage to to certain people. The thought does not expand because it just came out of my head. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very basic, succinct, and correct. <laughs> it was, dude. That was perfect. I mean, you're right. Like, there's nothing much to say. It just, it's just yet another example, like another real qualitative example of the fuck COVID, right? Like, it's amazing <laughs> that the globe, COVID had that kind of fucking power, dude. Like, yeah. There were a ton, ton of individuals out of millions of millions of billions of people. Everyone has a story and an opportunity where you feel you could have been blank. There could have been a moment for growth. And and for some of us, we create a podcast to like pivot and fill the time, right? And other people go to the gym more or they find snacking or they learn how to cook or they get into a hobby. But you wonder, man, if you go back two years and you're like, if it's, do you remember those stupid chapter books where like, if you want the character to dive on the dynamite and save his friends, go to page 12. If you want the character, right? Like choose your adventure. Yeah. COVID was the ultimate fucking choose your adventure moment 
where it wasn't a choice. It was like you chose to go to page eight where they climb up the tree. They're waiting there with the slingshot to pounce on the bully. It says go to page 16 and some jerk ripped it out. And you're like, what the fuck happened? Okay. I guess I have to go to the point where I don't climb up the tree and the bully whoops my ass. And now I have to see (laughs) what happens. And it's like, great. You chose COVID. You chose my adventure for me. I feel like I, I read quite a few of those books and I feel like I'm remembering correctly that there was certain books of them where you always ended up in the same path. Like you, you would choose page eight and then you'd be like, Oh, I'll choose page seven or, or choose page six and then four. Go and then you ended up in the same dang consequence. So like optimistic. No oh, I don't know why. I remember that being so frustrating, so frustrating. I don't know why they did that. In a couple of those scenarios, and I remember just being like, this is not okay. Because no real author wants to write fucking 12 stories and only get paid for yeah. one. <laughs> They're like, dude, I know what you're fucking doing here. You're trying to squeeze 12 books out of me. You paid for one. You might get three plots. That's the max. Yeah, right? Like, could you imagine somebody being like, yeah, we'd like another alternate ending about the submarine when it gets blown up. So I need a lifeboat and I need a deserted island. Go. You're like, no, dude, I'm over. It's it's done. It's not happening. I feel like the bar for that those books are not very high, though. You know? No, it's so simple. Do they open the box of treasure or do they move on and seek the... La Lorena, right? Like it's right. It's one or the other. It's so you get four pages and then it's like some stupid choice. <laughs> let me let me ask you another thing, and I'm interested if this will be in your notes. Um Jim okay. Jim Picks. Did you anticipate no. me asking you about Jim Picks? Not at all, actually. Stop, dude, you're terrible at anticipation. <laughs> Holy shit, it is a whole page. (laughs) So just as a background, like, and I don't think you'll mind at this point. If anybody's listening at this point, they really like you, right? So started. (laughs) (laughs) So you were like. I really feel like I've done some notes about things that you're going to bring up or possibly bring up. And I was like, I don't know if anyone's ever done that before. You're amazing. <laughs> so um, going through your Instagram, though, I do notice some gym pics. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, are we hoping for some right swipes? Did we have a health scare in our life? Is it just a fitness thing of like, Hey, I feel better. It helps me to cope with my anxiety. Um, curious about the, Hey, just always been active, trying to look to inspire, want to be a Canadian influencer. Like what's up with the gym picks and the bicep flexes? Uh, uh, we, we need to be clear on this podcast. Danelle has probably all of five in her hundreds of posts. So I'm not really, I'm not looking for uh, swipes and, and sponsorships and things like that. 
No, the one um, about your lower back being available for tattooing, that wasn't a real thing. No, I'm just kidding. That was just me being a stupid story. Could you imagine if somebody like, so no, like what I pictured was like some influencer on like a lap machine and they're like bringing it down and you got the crevice to the back and they're like open for advertising. And like you can like tat it up. Like want some more attention to your business? Dudes, check me out at the gym all the time and they can check out your business for just $2,000. Like, sorry, not saying you're that person, but that's yeah. where, that's the stupid story I told myself. Okay, I totally lost you there for like 30 seconds. It, that was Zoom telling me you're a horrible fucking jokester and that was a terrible <laughs> idea. It was a play on the whole back of the leg or I don't know. Small of the back, you're doing lats. It's not you. It's just the fictional character of me being stupid. Right. I mean, I heard the, you know, space for lease or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> just so terrible. Such a stupid idea. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jim Picks, what's up? Let's reset. Uh, Hopefully Zoom doesn't shut you off. <laughs> yeah, no. I might be a little interesting here. I don't know. Not really. Um, gosh. That is a good, yeah, I was not prepared for that because I feel like a lot of women post sort of those, those sorts of things about like, yeah, I'm so proud of myself. Look at my soup and I'm like, look at my muscles. But it did stem from a, a transitional, transformational period in my life. Um, not sure how much I should get into but some serious stuff went down and um, I went through uh, a growth period and part of that was setting goals for myself to accomplish. The first stage of that was diet mm. and um, I set goals for what I was going to stick with kind of thing. And then as I went two months into that and I was sticking with it, I started exercising. So I had barely exercised my whole life. And at that point, this would have been fall of 2014. I just started exercising my living room. I, I tried running. I couldn't run 300 meters without dying. It was that bad. Wow. But by April, of the next year, six months, I'd lost 35 pounds and established new habits, right? Um, so I started, I think one of my first Instagram posts was me at the gym I started going to, and I was pretty, pretty weak and tiny. Like I just been doing stuff at home and I just felt really good about it. And so I posted because that's what girls and guys do sometimes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I got more serious about weights and I just, I just piss around, right? Like, I don't even know what half of the things are even called on there. I just, I just want to get stronger and I just want to reach goals and stuff. And those progress picks really help to be able to look back on. It's just, it's just a part of that. It's just a part of this is my journey really. And I mean, of course you get compliments along the way and those feel good, but I really have no ambitions for 
for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's really not a lot to tell about that, but it started with uh, just being motivated to take something into my own hands, like when life felt out of control. It's it's something about human nature, and I've not, I don't know, I've not read a ton of books. I've not sought a ton of books about it, but there's something about accomplishing goals that really does just give you confidence. I, I don't know the fucking resiliency and it, it builds or whatever, but I feel like that's a principle of human nature. And I feel like a lot of people talk about that. Set a, set a basic goal. And I've had, not to be like the dude who, while he's on a podcast, plugs previous podcasts, but had a guy who's a fucking Muay Thai boxer, coffee roaster, Dallas. And like he was like, dude, I was battling with depression and it took me an hour to set a goal. And the goal was to make my bed. And I failed at that and I would fail at that and I'd feel like shit. But then when I did it, it allowed me to not only go from making my bed to now I'll shower. And then that was a week. And then all of a sudden I'll shave. And I was like, dude, this is a fucking month process. And he was like, I was lost. I was done with life. And then take it to, there's this wellness coach who actually is a school psychologist that I worked with, but never really spoke to. She came on the pod and she got into professional bodybuilding. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And she was like, you know what? Honestly, I wanted to be able to carry all my groceries from my car to my house in one trip. Yeah. And she was like, as stupid as that sounds, that was a goal. I was skinny. I felt weak. I didn't like the fact that I needed multiple trips. I could only carry one or two bags. I felt winded when I lifted something. So I wanted to change it. And it felt really fucking good changing it. And now all of a sudden it snowballs into, I can start a business. Why? Cause I can lift four grocery bags and I feel, and like, it can't be overstated. Some people do feel like stupid saying it or however, like not to put words in your mouth, but like it can feel awkward. Almost like when you're like not to brag, like fuck that dude, brag a little bit. Right. Because accomplishments should be celebrated and when you're going through shit and you're taking some L's, you need some wins, right? Like you, people need wins. And something about our nature, we want to find wins as humans, right? So it's awesome that that's why you got into that gym stuff to grab some wins because health, diet, exercise is a very measurable way to know. Sometimes you can feel you're making progress with people and then all of a sudden they do something and you're like, wait, I thought we were cool. All of a sudden we're not cool. Did I get a fucking, like, have I accomplished with you? But like weights don't lie. Running doesn't lie, right? Distance doesn't lie. Strength doesn't lie. It's like, can I or can I not? This is 25 pounds. I can lift it. Holy shit. I wasn't able to. (gasps) I've gained, um, right? And like, that's that's a very good way, I think, to deal with being in a, whatever, a bad place or a place you don't want to be in is let me focus that energy on something where I can get some wins, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, it's amazing for mental health because I relate to Dallas entirely. I'm, I've been involved in the mental health community at large um, for a while. And I, when people ask, I'm like mental health 101, make your bed. It is, it is stock, make your bed, because that's just the simplest thing you can do 
sometimes I don't do it till noon, but I <laughs> generally will make the bed. And that, like, that's just, that is just the base of the pyramid of, you know, working towards <clears throat> successful day-to-day living, really. But yeah, the whole idea of, you know, just not even being able to shower, people don't comprehend that. And they, they, it's hard. They don't look depression like oppression because it's really more like oppression because you can't get outside of it to look at it the way other people are looking at it right it well and i I don't know i don't want to like compare about same level it's just a comparison about you using the word of it's hard for me to have empathy because i don't really know what indigenous people went through i often and i feel fortunate when i'm like that makes no fucking sense to me I feel bad that people experience the fact that a shower is difficult. I have no fucking, like that's, that's, that, that's beyond Jupiter to me. I'm like, I've never, never, never. I've been stinky. I've not showered, (laughs) right? I've been the dude. I fucking reek. And I'm like, uh, yeah, dude, I I fucking smell. I didn't shower, but it's never been like a, I can't shower. Right. And it's hard but apparently that's a thing and you're like Jesus Christ man like that's that's a terrible terrible place to be and the fact that people can go from I can't shower which most people is such a basic you feel better every morning I, I'm not awake till I shower my day doesn't start till I shower if I don't shower I'm fucked for the day I really am like I'm not awake I'm not alert like something about my body so the fact that like I couldn't imagine going days on end without ever starting my day is hard for me to get there, not to deny it, but to talk about how bad people must be, how severe the situation must yeah. be to them, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was at a pretty low point and um, experiencing that kind of thing. Um and I went into, um, here we have Alberta mental health because, you know, in Canada, we have a lot of, um, basic, basically free services that contrary to popular belief, we do pay for a lot of stuff here, but, uh, Alberta mental health has free services. And, um, I hooked in with them and started what's called cognitive behavior therapy. And that turned things around for me massively. And they do um, walk you through things like how to make your bed, how to get to the place where you can accomplish the shower, how you can take this seemingly impossible task. Um, for me, it was tidying up, um, a craft room that I had and getting it all organized months and months after moving in. So overwhelming to me. And the therapy gives you, gets you in the mental space to take away that overwhelm and break it down, break everything down into something manageable, you know? Um, and then you get that little accomplishment, you know, like you did that thing, you did that thing today, look, you can do it. And I was encouraged to put that accomplishment on the wall with a sticky kind right. of thing. Right. And yeah, the, the CBT is, is incredible. Um, mine didn't involve, um, a lot of meditative stuff like some of them do. It was just super practical stuff. Um, 
in the shower is a big one actually because a lot of us tend to get lost in the shower and get negative thinking patterns and stuff going so there was a lot of work in redirecting your your thoughts and your feelings while in the shower so there's there's really something about the shower that's very impactful on everybody really negative thinking that's like a like a because i don't have a better word a thing in the shower, that's like a theory out there or that's something that needs to get worked through? It's common, I guess would be the word? It is very common. There's actually a meme. It's got a picture of a shower and it says, let me just jump into the hypothetical argument simulator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a place because I don't know why, because you just... You kind of just like zone out. Well, you're vulnerable. You're naked, right? Like how often in your life are you naked and subjected to climate, the water? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, like it's very, it's very, it's a vulnerable state for most people. Most people ain't trying to be caught naked. (laughs) I mean, honestly, right? Like. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, I, I guess I was trying to like add to it to be like, yeah. maybe that's why. It's possible, but it's definitely, uh, definitely a thing. People, people's heads go places in, in that, in that place. <laughs> people's heads go places in that place, like under the <laughs> faucet, <laughs> like under the shower head. Under the shower head, it's like the wardrobe. <laughs> Go to another land of hypothetical trauma. Yeah, man, maybe I just listen to... I'm typically either listening to a podcast or music when I shower. I very rarely actually shower in silence where I'm alone with my thoughts. And maybe I'm mm-hmm. fearful of them, right? Like I, I do seek, I don't know, background noise pretty often in my life if I really think about like what do you do when you get home Mm. and I'm curious about you did was there some sort of pattern for you that you noticed like I am when I shower not I'm not trying to be like graphic creepy or anything but like when I shower were you just alone with your thoughts do you have background music going on to like try to get you out of the funk anything at all no, I, I prefer silence a lot of the times. I do like music, but I've never even thought, honestly, of taking any sound with me into the shower. Really? Uh, yeah. Sometimes, like, if I have a bath, I got, like, uh, YouTube or something on, but I prefer a book. But, um, no, I, no, and I, I don't know why there would be a trigger or anything. I just know that it's super common for people to get stuck in their heads in the shower yeah and they never never said anything about take music in or anything like you so i would be curious yeah i mean i could see it man if like if i didn't have i always had a radio in my shower growing up right well not like in the shower but in the bathroom (laughs) and like i guess there was a thing about like waterproof radios and yeah now i just take my phone in there or i put it on like the house speakers and I'm listening to something, right? And my mind drifts, but 
I feel like if it drifts to a bad place, it's easy enough to reconnect to whatever it is that I'm listening to where it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't dwell on me. It doesn't affect me, if that makes sense. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but I feel like as you're saying this, I'm like, wow, man, I bet you I got a bunch of repressed shit deep in me that just fucking, (laughs) God, I hope I don't go postal. I really don't want to go postal. Not gonna lie, I'm thinking about conversations I've had with people who are like, I can't be in silence, I can't be alone with, it always has to be noise, and I'm like, yeah, you got stuff. <laughs> you, you you can't be in the quiet, there's something going on. I'm not saying you do, because right? some of us just love music, but... See, like, that's a weird balance right. for me, right? And I yeah. feel like, what's the balance between I need it versus I enjoy it? Right. And it, it, it's one of those things where like, I really, I'm interested in so much shit, right? Like I'm interested in sports. I'm interested in perspectives. I'm interested in philosophies. The, the, the typical bro, Joe Rogan, you just put on a random person. It's part of like what inspired the podcast for me hey. is like the randomness of knowing more about different people that I normally wouldn't meet. Like, I love that. So my options are limited for what time do I have to actually engage with that sort of content. Right. So I seek that time, right? I go for jogs with it and it fucks up my pace. Like if I listen to music, I run like 45 seconds faster per mile. Where if I listen to a podcast, I'm way slower because there's no music. There's no rhythm to my foot, to my feet. But sometimes I'm like, fuck the pace. I just want to engage in this conversation and see where I go mentally. And if it's good, I'll be like, dude, I always want to like think about what's going on, you know, but I don't know if I, it's interesting. Or is that just some sort of like deflective tactic? Ooh, maybe I do need a therapist to get into this shit. You could sit alone in some silence for like an hour somewhere in the dark, see what happens. (laughs) Definitely wouldn't do it in the dark. That, that I'd pass out within five minutes. Oh, Um, good point. But like, so I went kayaking, actually it might've been almost, it's probably the longest I've been without some sort of stimulation. I went kayaking on like a little river that opens up into the uh, Atlantic ocean. And it was four and a half hours during COVID. That was just me on a kayak in fucking like marsh and wetlands that I'd never been before. And I'm like hoping that I'm fucking just following this path because there's all sorts of little like tributaries and you could get lost right but i'm like all right yeah i feel i just i'm feeling my way through nature i'm surviving right and um the place i got to was like sound freaked me out and i thought i was gonna die several times like i'd hear a boat after like 45 minutes of hearing nothing but nature and my immediate thought was is it some fucking crazy person that could shoot me and what would happen? Now, part of that was I discovered all these little huts here because apparently a lot of people fucking sit there and shoot ducks. And I like kept kayaking past all these huts being like, I hope they are not fucking, am I screwing up some dude's hunting morning by me kayaking and he hates me and I'm gonna be fucking buckshot, right? So like, I don't know if that's where it, went in my mind or if that's why like I got in that mindset 
but that was my most common thought was like, when I heard noise, will I be harmed? And I don't know if that means anything, but I thought that was kind of interesting about like, are you a little bit of a bitch? Are you a little vulnerable? Or do you, do you need more support in your life? You know, like, I don't know. I can't answer that for you. Well, yeah, right. Of course you can. It was just my thoughts, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I analyzed myself. That's very interesting. Oh, so speaking of interesting, uh, what was something you had on your notes that you thought I was going to bring up? I want to say. <laughs> oh, do you, for real? No. Uh, okay. You feel like you have to pick like the cool thing or something or like the interesting I know thing? Like three big ish ones. So I don't know. Pick A, B, or C and we'll go there. I like how you deflected responsibility onto me. <laughs> so when you said A, B, or C, no. does that actually go with? the order you listed them. So A is the first thing you wrote. B yeah. is the second. Oh, A, absolutely. You got to go A. What's the first thing you thought I was going to ask you about? Um, Because I post so many memes about uh, personality types. I thought for sure you were going to ask me what the heck is up with that. I tried to without asking by the church stuff. But I was oh, curious yeah. about... Hmm. The personality shaping. I did okay. notice that. Okay. I'm wondering how that relates to church in your head. You don't think your upbringing in church deals with who you are as a person? You don't think that shapes you? To me, it would. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I think about personality. Like, okay. what's acceptable, what's not? Like, it's a moralistic dance, right? Your personality is... Am I okay being this kind of person feeling this kind of way? Well, what's okay? Oh, morals, Bible, boom. Right. Okay. I get that. I get that part. I get where you're coming with that. Um, yeah. So why do you care about personality so much? Well, uh, I am a seeker of self-awareness, uh, almost neurotically, but... <laughs> <laughs> About a year ago, somebody introduced me to, okay, backtrack a sec. Um, what you're speaking to regarding the church, I see a lot of uh, nurture in that. Obviously, you know, nurture and nature. Um, the personality typing uh, accounts for some nurture, but it's generally based on nature. So it's, there's a little bit of difference, but I'll, I'll get into that a little bit. I'm not a, I'm not a professional or an expert or anything, but about a year ago, uh, somebody I met got me into this MBTI community and that's the Myers-Briggs, um, typing index personality we've developed in the last century. Um, but I did what was called the 16 personalities test. And came up as a certain type, uh, each type there's 16 and they have four letters that indicate certain tendencies. 
Um, have you like have you heard of this? Have you I've heard of the Myers Briggs, but you being okay. a Canadian, I'm surprised you didn't go with the Jordan Peterson personality test. I thought I that was almost a requirement. It is. It is relatively new, but I have done a basic <laughs> of it, and apparently I'm a psychopath. So no shit. So glad we're on a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just like my conscientiousness is super high, and what's the other one? Conscientiousness and ah, I don't remember, but those two being really high is crazy bizarre. And that I just so on the Peterson test, if you're high conscientiousness, high something else, you're a psychopath. Well, that's just my interpretation. I'm not lying. That's that's just me going <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> Okay. What's wrong with me? But no, I totally have done that because I'm kind of obsessed with knowing about myself. So before we get into the, like, what was revealed, do you have a why? Like why you're into knowing this about yourself? Why you need a label? Yeah, I've been asked that before and I can't answer that question. I know I struggle with the possibly... I've lost the word. I do struggle with, um, I guess, being accepted. That's not even the right word I'm looking for. Affirmation? I'm not hitting on the right word, but I do kind of want to feel like I belong somewhere, right, in society, because I've always felt so outside of it. Great description. I don't. There's there's a, there's there's a word. You don't have to get all clinical. Dude, yeah, that's... no, it's, like, it's not like affirmation or acceptance. It's just a crap. <laughs> I can't remember. I yeah, for some reason it's just. And I'm um, I'm a researcher. I just like knowing things about so many things, right? So I just really hooked into this whole thing. Yeah, I wonder if like that's what kind of fucks you up with being part of a tribe. Is like tribes have boundaries, right? That's what makes a tribe. They have a center and then you have an orbit that goes around what this tribe believes in, right? And if that expands too far, you're going to encroach upon another tribe. Or your tribe, you're going to be farther from the center of your tribe. So if you're inquisitive, you're going to wander. It's like, why do you put a dog in a fence, right? Because fucking dogs will wander. Yeah, you feed them all the time. Hopefully yeah. they come back. But most people don't just let dogs wander around if you got land because you're worried it's going right. to run away because they're inquisitive. They follow instincts and urges. So right. I wonder if, and I'm somewhat that way too, where I'm not like just agreeable, but I am a inquisitive. I enjoy understanding why people think and do things. And I'm down with fucking finding out and experiencing, oh, this is what you're about. Cool. Let me see what that's about. Well, for me to understand what you're about, I got to leave what I just was with. Because if I'm understanding you, well, I got to go there. If I, if I need to go understand you, that means I didn't understand you so that my current tribe didn't help me to understand that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. like you're constantly bouncing. And I wonder if that's just like, 
a personality type that you've come across of. It's like maybe some people are just meant to fucking be bouncers. <laughs> you know, I Winnie the Pooh. For a long time, that's for sure. Pariah? Pariah is a very good word for it. Always like the outsider, really not fitting into into the tribe, into really any sort of mainstream tribe. It hmm. took me a while to come up with that, but I was always kind of trying to feel normal somehow, like trying to feel like I wasn't I wasn't this pariah or I wasn't this um, malfunction, I guess is a really good word. I wanted to find a place for myself that made sense. And uh, once I got into this 16 personality thing, um, it, it really, uh, it opened a lot of doors into discovering that there's a group of people like myself and they, they function in a certain way. They respond in a certain way. Their brains gravitate towards certain processing and there's a very small percentage of us. So, you know, you find a place you realize that you're not whacked out or messed up or some kind of malfunction. Right. So there was a lot of solace in that. Um, so that, that provided that for me, but also because I'm, I love to deep dive into stuff. I just, I went all in, all in with that. So I'm not a, an expert by any means, but. Do you get worried you're going to like say something that's incorrect? Cause the, I do. Oh yeah. Well, dude, you're talking about you, so you can't be incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, yeah. If I'm like talking about the, the MBTI and the types and stuff, I don't really want to like misrepresent something. Uh, I know a lot of people think it's pseudoscience when you're talking about 16 personalities and the test and, and stereotypical stuff than it is. It's not quite presenting the, the right picture of, of what this typing is. Um, a lot of this actually is Jungian theory, Carl Jung. Yeah. I get lost when I'm <laughs> part of why I didn't get into nursing or medical is because I could barely, I'm pretty good with concepts. I'm really bad with specific vocabulary, if that makes okay. sense. Or like naming the theorists. So like Maslow, okay, you got a hierarchy. For some reason that sticks. Pavlog, you got a dog. So that yeah. sticks. Young, you got a, it never stuck. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I know it's someone that like I've heard, but for yeah. some reason there was never an image associated with it. And like scientific words for like bones, blood, muscles, tendons, the fucking Latin or whatever, I can never take the word and associate it with a picture. So I was fucked. Okay. And that's when I was like, dude, I'm never going to be anybody like serious because I can't reference shit quickly. Like intelligent right. people can reference and then ramble. I, I really lack that skill. I can ramble. I can't reference if that makes sense. So yeah, all that to say, I don't know. Like Nietzsche, they were like, for some reason now I can get Nietzsche and I picture um, stoic statues because I've spoken to a couple people 
And I'm like, when I hear the word Nietzsche, I think of like a statue being niched and being like, oh, so you have no fucking emotion. You're stone. <laughs> but like, I've not, I've not gotten there with young. So maybe tonight will be the night that I get there with young. So anyway, all that to build up. Too. Tell me about Young from your notes. Well, <laughs> it's just kind of uh, disappointing because I really haven't. Young is something that you would do not in your first year classes. Uh, from what I understand, um, he is a brilliant mind. Obviously not the uh, taste of every person who's interested in psychology. I'm not even interested in psychology, really. But brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, but he came up with the, um, basically the different ways people process and express things cognitively, like through their, their mind, how their brain just creates their reality kind of thing. Um, he used, uh, See, and I'm not super educated on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug right now uh, a guy named C.S. Joseph on YouTube. He also has a website. He is the most intricate and thorough and educated source. If you're interested in this stuff, if anybody besides Shelley is still listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! But basically, you're looking at your mental processes. And there's a way that they stack on top of each other, which creates like one of these 16 types of personalities and how you, mm. you input things and how you output things. So there's a cognitive stack and there's transitions. This comes out of Jungian theory and that even pulls from somebody in the classical era. I can't recall. But Myers and Briggs, they, they took that and they made it into like this packaged you know personality test sort of thing okay whereas um you know it's not as uh scientifically based you could call it pseudoscience pseudopsychology if you wish but uh the c.s joseph does really harken back to the original sort of uh psychological basis of it so uh I don't know. I don't know where else to go with that. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I'm wondering if you were trying to like validate the results of the test when you took it in some oh, way, sure. or if you were trying to be like, "Hey, it's okay that I feel this way, even if some people think it's junk science. It's helped me to feel better about how I process things." Because that's something where early on in relationships, that's something I learned. It's like, if my intention is not delivered through my words, then my intentions don't matter. If I want you to feel good about yourself and I say something that makes you feel bad, even if my intention was for you to feel good, my intention doesn't matter because my words fucked it up and you feel bad. Right. So if I care yeah. about you feeling good, I got to figure out not how to express my intentions, but how for you to receive my intentions. And I might have to change the way I say things. I might have to change the way my pace of my speech, the words that I select, the time of day in which I say them, the moment, 
right? How I'm standing. Like there's so many fucking variables that can lead to somebody misinterpreting your own intentions. Yes. And when I real when I started thinking about that shit, I'm like, fuck, man. Cause I'd always argue. I'd be like, dude, no, I don't fucking mean. And like, why are you arguing this? It, it doesn't matter. You both can be right. You can be upset. I could have mm-hmm. not meant to upset you, but that doesn't make you not upset. So why not just be like, Hey, instead of arguing, you shouldn't be upset. Just be like, wasn't my intention. How can I express blank to give you the emotion or the feeling of blank, right? How can I express my gratitude so that you understand I am thankful? Help me to know you better, right? And like, that's some like kind of basic relational stuff that I think can get overlooked and it can lead to resentment, anger, all, all sorts of emotions. So I think it's good to unpack how you interpret and process things as a person because it helps yeah. you to communicate in relationships if you're going to be honest with people about, I need, if, if you care about me and you want me to be happy, here's how I am happy. Let me express right. to you and help you to understand how I am happy. But if right. you don't take some sort of like test to understand how you're happy, if you're just a fucking cluster, you don't know how to help people help you. If that makes sense. Yeah. And honestly, a lot of money has been made through programs designed to help people understand other people so that those relationships can be successful generally, you know, in the workplace and then that yeah. spills over into other stuff. Right. But this is, this is a huge, a huge tool for that. And, um, not only learning about my own personality type, uh, I've learned about others along the way. And there's some people that I've learned about their type and experienced them. And these are people that I would have walked away from probably within a week because of misunderstanding, mis- you know, communication styles and whatnot. Right. And there's a, there's a huge value in, like you said, understanding how other people tick basically. Yeah. I wouldn't have some relationships because of the way I see and process and the way they do. I would have just like been like, what's wrong with you? Dude, it (laughs) happens to me all the time. Like, I mean, like it, it, people have been like, dude, you must be autistic the way you say shit. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to like be stupid. Like I'll always be contrarian. I don't know why I feel like it's just to fuck with you but if I'm fucking with you in that way, it's because I like you. So you need to understand me fucking with you is like, I've accepted you. And it's like right. a playful banter. But if people don't realize that, or if I don't openly express that to certain people, they're like, you're a straight up dick. And when once they understand it, they're like, I love the fact that you're a straight up dick. And it's like, oh, so I can be a dick and you hate, or all of a sudden I'm a dick. And it's kind of funny because you get... What's going on? You understand the intention is not to make you feel awkward. It's to make fun of this, whatever, awkward moment or this terrible situation. Almost like what we were talking about with like giggles, right? But unless you do that cognitive unpacking, unless you have the awareness and the ability to express that, how do you get to that level? You just stay at that root emotion of I'm uncomfortable here. So I push away that which makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I know a lot of people kind of reject this offhand, but 
knowing more about yourself and other people, like you, you have the opportunity to, to not just go, this is the way I am, or, you know, all this stuff happened to me. Um, you have the opportunity to go, wow, these are the parameters of, of my basic function. And these are ways, because a lot of these, these people that specialize in this give you the tools to say, well, this is your weak area. This is what you can do to, you know, and this is how you should approach these types of people. This is how you can type. You got to know I've been trying to type you like this whole conversation. <laughs> I'm so scared to ask. No, I don't know. I'm not, the, I'm not the greatest at it, okay. but I have a couple of thoughts. Wait, so I want to no, like guide you in that direction ahead of. Not to be narcissistic, but this is interesting. So you trying to type me, does that dictate how you interact? Like, are you purposefully asking questions to seek information or affirm no. something? No, I was definitely not. Uh -huh. No, but certain things you say and the way you say them kind of, you know, lead me to believe certain things. Yeah. So gotcha. It's I, really, really hard not to see some things in people. Yeah, right? Well, because, I mean, was it Chris Rock that was like, they're stereotypes for a reason? Yeah, well, yeah, you don't I, want to say those things, but yeah. Well, no, but it was a different, it was a different context, right? But right. that's how theories are made. You need generalities. Like if a right. dog is showing its teeth, the generality is it's angry. So it's a stereotype. If a dog is growling, yeah. it's angry yeah. and going to attack. So that's a right. very general statement that is pretty much true most of the time. And then you build off of your outliers from there, right? You don't want to hold right. people to a generality, but you almost start there and then you, 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 you unpack. So I, I don't think that's a terrible thing to be like, oh man, when someone responds with blank, they are typically blank. Right? Like it's a causal effect type thing. Right. I, I don't think that's a terrible way. If people seek to understand like standing, some people need that. Where, where am I in this? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. why not use some sort of formula to make you feel comfortable? Yeah. And that's, I mean, going through the process of like intensive learning on this and finally realizing, okay, this is, this is my box. Not that I like being in a box, but this is the place that I fit. And this is how I can interact with the world. And this is, this is the part that I've grown on. This is the part that I, there's, there's just something comforting, comforting and knowing that this is a thing. And I am not some like literally this is in my head. It's like, I'm not a malfunction. I'm not, mm. you know, something that doesn't fit anywhere which I don't know. That's Dude, I, I, I think matter. And I don't really think it matters, but, but it does. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know, man. I believe on the, I, I'm the older I get, the more I'm like energy and connectiveness matters. Right. And like Adam's energy is neither created nor destroyed. Like dinosaur piss is our current water. Like shit's just around <laughs> in the earth. So like, People, I feel like the way you feel helps the overall energy of the earth. I, I think people need to feel accepted. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I'm super curious what it helped you to like work on, if you don't mind sharing. 
Like, what did you discover where you were like, oh, okay, let me get better at blank. Let me get better at... <laughs> what do I need to get better at? Um, <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, and I meant it from like, not you're a terrible person, more like yeah, the relational, that. when you were talking about, Hey, this is my box. This is how I interact with people. Yeah. And this is what like almost jacks that up. What yeah. you've noticed and you were like, oh, okay, if I can, for me, it's like, maybe not be so much of a smart ass and contrarian, maybe just cause you think it don't always say it, dude. Right. Or I'm also a giggler and I like, I've almost gotten into fights with dudes but like, motherfucker, this is serious. You giggling. And I'm like, it's cause I'm nervous that you're going to whip my ass. <laughs> I'd be crying, but I think that makes me look weaker. <laughs> and like <laughs> that happened a couple times and it's like, dude, I'm sorry that I'm laughing at this moment, but like, it's how I process. So then I was like, all right, man, maybe you need to not giggle when people are like, seriously emotionally expressing themselves like try to find a poker face bare minimum poker face <laughs> be like stoic about some shit and that'll help so that i guess that's what i was like with like the whole personality traits thing was yeah. was there a certain thing that you wanted to work on or you've been working on that has helped i think um because with my type the intp we're like the top three personality types that are terrible with emotional processing. And I mean, I wasn't really aware of it. And then I learned about other types who are good with it. And I was like, dear Lord, I'm horrible. <laughs> and it's in general, I feel like it's become sort of, um, there's a sort of curve in my life of watching for people's emotions and trying to lean into that and trying to be less harsh or opinionated or just sort of invalidating those things. And I never thought I was in the first place. Like I really had no clue but I realized that a lot of people feel things all the time and I do, but just the way that I see it and express it and all it's just it's this weird level of no. So it's, it's really helped me to at least see that there's these other levels of emotion in people that I need to kind of work with in order to build better relationships with people. Um, Just to not leave you on an island, like I feel like I'm hella dismissive of emotions. Cause I'm, I like, yeah. I feel like I'm a task oriented motherfucker. Like what's the goal? What's the task? I don't give a fuck how you feel, get it done. <laughs> like, right. and, and like, just cause I feel like that's my drive doesn't mean that's the right drive and doesn't mean that I need to make you feel like shit because you need to be in your feelings for like 10, 15 minutes, right? Like yeah. your feelings mean more than the task. To me, the task means more than your feelings. And right. if we can understand 
each other like, oh, fucking O'Grady, he's all about getting shit done. Me, I'm all about like, yo, I feel this in the moment. Can we both understand that if we're going to have a working relationship and figure out a way to acknowledge, accept, realize you're not intentionally being dismissive of who I am and now we won't be angry. (laughs) But that takes a lot to like get to that kind of, in a simplistic way, like that kind of understanding of people have different motivations, right? Yeah, and... Uh, apparently it's quite inherent, right? You can't force somebody to be more emotionally receptive. You can't force somebody to be um, more task minded. You can, you can nurture that, you know, you can create. Educate. Yeah. Yeah, But end of the day, man, chocolate or vanilla, what fucking ice cream do you want? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, why do you like vanilla over chocolate? I don't know, dude, it tastes better, right? Like, why do you like tasks over emotions? I don't know, man. I like crossing shit off a list. Like, I feel good when the grass is cut. I can't fucking explain it. I don't know why. That's my happy place. You, it's just talking about how you're upset or why your aspirations are. Like, that's cool, right? Like, not that that diminishes it, but my worst hurt and your worst hurt, it's still the same worst, right? Like, Regardless of what caused it, the emotional experience is equal. If you, it's losing $100. If me, if it's losing eight of my children in a, in a terrible bus accident, your right. worst and my worst are the exact same emotion to us, despite the right. circumstances, right? So like it's, it's that sort of weird relativity that when you can start accepting I, it can, I don't know, man. Like you just, you're like, oh, okay. I, I don't feel awkward anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I, all right. I'm starting to understand maybe rules, how to play the game <laughs> type shit. It kind of is though, really, because when you understand rules of people and how they function and how they, you know, do well or do poorly, then yeah, it's a little bit of, uh, it's like a chessboard, right? I'm not saying you have any intentions of lording it over a person or manipulating a person, yeah. but just being able to move pieces and to achieve an end or a relationship, whatever. Or understand like, oh shit, like, so if I put my pawn here, it leads to you making this rook go there. And that's yeah. part of why like people are like, dude, are you autistic? Because I'll straight up be like, at this point in my life, I'll be like, wait, so is this the point where we exchange pleasantries or can we just get down to what we need to do? What do you need at this moment? And they're like, you're such a fucking dick. And I'm like, thank you for acknowledging where I am. How was your morning since you need that? Like that type of shit is like the metacognitive experience with a couple different people but why are we there because we've gone through and i don't know i don't know if we've gone through extensively like the 16 personality trait thing or whatever but like you figure out like what makes you tick right and then you can express it and some people might need to take some tests to be able to express it so that they can feel accepted and that they know how to respond when they're feeling uncomfortable or anxious yeah, I think it's valuable. Um, I, I really do. You know, I've had very few people 
dismiss it offhand. I've had people take, you know, the basic test and, and like do nothing with it. And then I've had people who go in depth and they're generally close to my personality type because we're super nerds really. But you're like, okay, well, you know, people have different experiences and yada, yada. But when you see this thing playing out consistently, 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 you're like, how can you just walk away from that and think it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like if somebody just made it up because they saw some patterns, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm curious why, why you feel or what the perception is with the like made up or like pseudoscience stuff. Like where's that coming from? That's a good question. uh, They kind of put it into the people who would, would say that would put it into the category of, um, like horoscopes is sort of the most common parallel uh, that you get. I went there. I started thinking that like, oh, you're a fucking yeah. Sagittarius and I'm a Pisces right. and I have these three that I like and Taurus season bitches. And you're like, I've never gotten that. Like, okay, the wind was here. The moon was here. The waves were here. And that fucking made my emotions in my mother's womb. Like, right. but I don't know. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have cut you off, but like that, I did have a moment in my head when I was thinking that, like, this sounds a lot like if you were at this, you can, you're cool with these three, you're not cool with these, like, four. Which, sorry, which three and four, what do you... I was just, like, it's an example. So, like, if you fall out of the 16 personality... So if you go to the like horoscope, if you're a cancer, you're compatible with three, you're incompatible with whatever, four. And it oh, seemed okay. like the personality test was kind of like the same thing. Like, hey, if you're this personality, you're cool with these, you're not cool with those. Right. Yeah, Which that's why I made the connection. It's a simplistic, yeah, it's a simplistic uh, analogy, I guess. I don't think that's the right word. Um, to something that actually is pretty complex when you look into it, which is, you know, why I say like, look into some stuff if you're interested that, that harkens back to more of the original Jungian cognitive theory. Um, you know, cause the other stuff is fun, but it's half the time. It's not really accurate. Um, I gotta say though, when you're talking about what this has done for me, I just, had a thought I wanted to circle back to love that term um I have a friend who I kind of broke relation relationship with um, because of her confrontational nature she would always become very antagonistic and bring things up that were seemingly offensive on purpose and after I looked into and did a lot of work on these, you know, personality types, I realized what she was essentially what she typed as. And when I understood that part of her that was absolutely not intentionally pushing buttons, not intentionally, um, you know, trying to offend or 
or whatever and I realized that she was legitimately trying to have a conversation she was just literally an asshole doing it (laughs) (laughs) oh okay like I understand that you're actually this is just part of your function and the way you want to you know like the way you engage relationship and bonding really it was a bonding attempt and so I reopened the relationship with that with that in mind and I didn't let it bother me like I used to let it bother me I set up boundaries and stuff with her on that but like that that kind of awareness right you can you can save some relationships and and find some really good um growth points I guess right right I would have walked away from that and thought she was this horrible person and blah 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 but now I'm like you know we can have this relationship and and experience some really interesting conversations on stuff together. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why. It seems like we're pretty similar. Where relationships take work, and I'm I get very jealous of people who like are people people. <laughs> where like relationships <laughs> seems to come easy. It's like wait, you don't overthink every fucking thing, and it's not analyzed i don't know like i'm not very big on like quid pro quo i don't try to get shit from people i don't think but ultimately you do want things from a relationship but it's like yeah i just want to be able to like hang out and not overanalyze but maybe that's my nature i don't know man it's a weird clusterfuck um that (laughs) needs to get sorted for some people and it seems like you and i are those type of people yeah, I really don't, I don't, um, I think my brain is dying. I don't like <laughs> line up with a lot of social norms, or at least I, I can work within them, but I find a lot of them just so much theater, you know, and I just, I can't, <laughs> I can function in the extroverted world, but, you know, I thrive in you know, outside of those social. Yeah. In your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Something that fucks with me is I'll, I'll listen to people have conversations and I try to be conscientious of it. Maybe because I'm a teacher. I don't know why, but the filler words, the wasted words, the, yeah, you know what? Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm, mm, Got Yeah. Oh, but then mm -hmm, you know it. Oh man. Talk about it. Yeah. That type and you're like, yo, you just interacted 18 times. Where the fuck did the needle move? Nowhere. <laughs> what the fuck was said? W- what the hell just happened? What was the point of those four minutes of conversation? You need to get some water and it was an awkward silence. Like, can, can you have something fucking genuine? Like, oh, how are the kids? Shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> Oh, and now you know about his kids. Cool. And then maybe ask a secondary question to follow up versus you asked about his kids so you could talk about your kids this weekend because he doesn't fucking care about your kids. And if you know he doesn't care about, why are you even bringing up kids? So if he doesn't care, why are you even talking to him? Like the weird type of shit that is the social interaction. Maybe it's just like office work type things, but that's where I start feeling odd when I analyze that type of convo. Yeah. It almost displaces you, right? Yeah. 
it's almost like you're in this out of body situation where you're there and then this interaction and you're like your body kind of goes back and you're like whoa like you have to almost process it externally and distance yourself from it because it just doesn't click with your own internal sort of um system of how things should be and i have to constantly remind myself of like these fucking people can see you your body language matters stop fucking (laughs) like stop if you're in this moment stop whatever fucking eye rolling smirking like dude you're not wearing a mask anymore you can't fucking like tisk your lips and expect it to be filtered stop smile nod Engage. No, that's super. you're like miles ahead of most people. Like, oh man, you think so? <laughs> like, oh, totally. The fact that you're even aware that you're doing that. Yeah. I was in I was in a restaurant with a friend the other day, and I don't uh, have dairy. I have a dairy allergy, so in restaurants, desserts are just no go. Generally, just no. And the waitress came over and she's like, they were closing up and she's like, oh, you need to go, uh, you want to go get some dessert? And I was just thinking like, oh, of course I can't have dessert, right? Whatever. I didn't say anything. But then she walks away and my friend's like, you just made the most offensive, horrid face at the waitress. I was like, no, no. Right. And then I try to overcompensate later when, you know, we're, we're paying the bill or whatever. But like the fact that you're aware of it, like I know I do it sometimes, but that you're aware of it in a scenario. Some scenarios I'm aware of it. In church, there's people gathered and then somebody says something super vapid and I'm like, don't make a face, don't make a face, don't make a face. <laughs> right? Right. But yeah, not a lot of people will uh, you, no. um, I do just because I'm aware of it doesn't mean that shit don't happen. Like I'm <laughs> fucking, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably more like you. Like you just fucking read it. I can't. It's something I admire in in my boss where I'm like, dude, you were so fucking good at like water off a duck's back, man. Like right. this shit eats you up, and I listen to you, and I get to hear you when you speak about things, and what you present and the way you're able to, and it's a cliche, like play the game, but I admire people who can play the game and have people, the, the, the other players believe that you're genuinely into you're on their team. And it's like, you're fucking despised, but I'm good enough at playing the game that I can make you feel like I'm on your team. It, it's a quality, and I don't know if I'm decent at it or not, but I feel like I'm not. And I admire people who can, which makes me sound super hypocritical to circling back churches and preachers. And be like, they're just playing the game. Why am I hating yeah. on them? Right? Yeah. Fuck I don't me. think they honestly. Like, those are people who should not be. Yeah. Preachers should not be playing games. Preachers should be authentic. Yeah. Um, Danelle, I think, well, you had said your brain's fried. I feel like my brain's fried, man. Um, yeah. Such a great, just whatever, weird-ass conversation about a bunch of random-ass topics that um, I enjoyed. I, at first, I did not think we would go three-plus hours because I thought you would just hang up your Zoom and pretend like your Wi-Fi went out. 
so thank you for not doing that. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, no worries. It's honestly hard to find some um, decent, weird and in-depth conversations these days. So, you know, that, that, that definitely helps. But yeah, my brain just started kind of like cruising there in the last half hour. I was like, I don't know how long I can do this for. Gotcha. Dude, did great, but man. Yeah. The conversation has been good, right? Like... I would have glazed over a lot faster. Yeah. No, no, man. I, dude, enjoyed getting to know you, enjoyed hearing about your perspectives and your experiences. And um, I'm really glad we were able to connect, man. I appreciate you taking the time and um, scheduling it out. Um, it's hard for people to do that. So I'm always appreciative when they make that happen. Yeah, I'm just like super busy doing all the nothing that I do. So. <laughs> All right, man. Well, <laughs> let me let you get back to nothing. All right. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was just, yeah, I needed to grab onto it. It's it's good motivation for me. Yeah, no doubt. This will be your, um. what was it called? An agoria? Like the speech agora. you... Agora. Yeah, right? Agora. Like it almost seemed like a little bit of your agora moment where you got to like step up and be a little vulnerable. Be with your thoughts. Say some shit, man. Good for you going after it. Yeah, well, the whole public public aspect is is the important part, anyways, because I can I can share, but to do that for other people to hear, you know, like is uh, it's a little more of a scary thing. But I think that this happened for a reason, because I'm a huge believer in that, and it's probably a part of a trajectory that I have ahead of me. So you being a part of that is a huge deal. So thank you so much for that. Wow. Power. I'm just going to accept it. I'm going to bask in that. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. Thank you so much. And um, I'll be seeing you on social media and wherever. Okay. Thank you. Nice. Bye-bye. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.